Disclaimer. The views and opinions that you hear expressed by the participants in this show are not the views of AnimeNewsNetwork.com. The show tapes live some Thursdays, 5.30 p.m. Pacific on YouTube. Check out my Twitter feed, ActionZaku, for more. Hope you like the show. It's a long one. Strap in. I'm Zach Burchie. I am joined by an enormous panel of people here for our end of the year uh, games of the year show. I'm, I'm very happy to have all these people on the show. Joining me is the new, newly minted author of This Week in Games, uh, Heidi Kemps. Heidi, thanks for coming by. Howdy, howdy, folks. Uh, it's been a heck of a year for video games and not so much for everything else. Yeah, right. Uh, and then the former writer of This Week in Games, you can also find him over at PC Games N, uh, it's Dustin Bailey. Dustin, thanks for uh, stopping by. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and as as usual, my, 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 my usual game show guests, it's Dave and Graz from Fast, Fast Karate, or friends from the internet, right? That's, that's what yep. we're going with now. <laughs> we all end up in the same place. Right, yeah. Guys, thanks so much for, for coming around. Anytime. And every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. Well, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, so as as has been perhaps noted, uh, 2017 was a pretty fucking baller year for video games. Uh, not so much everything else, but the video games were incredible. And uh, I have asked everyone to come to this show prepared today with a top five list of the top five, their top five games of the year, their, their five favorite games. Plus uh, some runners up, some honorable mentions, you know, other other things they might have really enjoyed. Um, and uh, up at the top here, I thought I thought we would start by um, by listing, you know, what uh, one or two titles that may have made your top five, uh, but did not. So whatever your number six or seven was, um, if there's something where you're like, wow, I just, you know, I, this didn't make my top five, but I really want to say something about it kind of. Um, so I guess on that front, I'd, I'd actually like to start with, uh, with Dustin on that. Well, um, I had just an absolute hell of a time trying to pick out just five games this year. Um, I feel like a lot of years I might have two or three games on a list that I love and, you know, the rest is just kind of padded out with, you know, stuff I kind of liked along the way. But I think this year I could have done a top ten list of games I just absolutely loved along the way. Um, I think probably the most most honorable number six would be uh, Splatoon 2. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, I think it's great just both as a single player and multiplayer thing. It just has such a different feel from other shooters. Like, this is all true of... Uh, original Splatoon as well. Um, and the second one is just, you know, obviously more of that. Um, the only reason it didn't actually make the top five for me is the fact that I just didn't have enough time to stick with it, and I kind of feel like that's, you know, a dragging point for something that's so multiplayer-focused. That was my next question, was like, are you still playing Splatoon 2? Yeah. If I had been, I think it could 
probably pretty easily be high in that top five, but I, again, just haven't had time to stick with it. I would also say the same about this little early access game you might have heard of called Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> I've played probably less than 10 hours of that thing, but every time I sit down to do it, it's just like the most absolutely gut-wrenching experience every time. That game is a mess, but it just creates the most incredible situations along the way. And again, if I'd had more time to actually dive into and stick around with multiplayer games, I think that would probably be pretty high on a list. Yeah, I think I played, I probably played about six or seven hours of Splatoon 2, and it was fun, but I realized, like, oh, I'm at, at past a certain point. I'm not going to spend enough time with this to get good enough at it to like mm-hmm. really to get serious at all about it. And, you know, I guess you can't really stay casual forever because you'll sort of eventually rank up into matches where you're just like you hit a you hit a plateau. You're not willing to put the time in to get better at it. And you're just going to keep getting put into these matches where you're sort of barely surviving every time. And that's kind of I hit that and I was like, OK, I'm. I think I'm finished with this. I, I liked that game, but I didn't play it for very long. Mm-hmm. Uh, did anyone else play Splatoon? I no. need to play it because uh, I got Switch fairly late, so I didn't get it right when it came out, but I figured that would be one to do kind of over uh, <clears throat> over the holiday break or so. Right, yeah. No, I, I actually bought... I'm actually super excited to to try it um we've been meaning to play it we got it for the stream actually i think or no Mm, we didn't actually get it anyway i'm really excited to try it i hear it's really great and uh i kind of wish i i had played it but i haven't gotten to it yet unfortunately yeah i think uh, if if you have like someone who likes playing it with you that's probably a like a deal maker like oh shit now this game gets elevated beyond just being a good multiplayer game to like a really fun game to play with the other person. And like, yeah. that is a much bigger deal, but like Jacob has no interest in Splatoon. <laughs> so <laughs> I I'm yeah. playing it on my own and it was fun for a little while. I, I found myself gravitating towards the paint roller and just enjoying the gameplay with the paint roller so much that I didn't really do much else, you know, like it was just fun to yeah. whack that thing around. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it had kind of a short shelf life for me. I don't know. That's what I wanted to ask. Uh, how's the local multiplayer in that? That I don't know. Or uh, does it? Yeah, because that's what I'm curious. Because I think it does have something. Yeah. Uh, it definitely does have something. Well, I shouldn't say definitely. I know the first game had something. I don't know what the options on the second one are for local right. stuff. Because, like, that, I, I don't know. It's always this issue with Switch games or Nintendo console games and multiplayer is that like for whatever reason I'm willing to buy two PS4s <laughs> but not two Switches I, there's like a mental block there I, you know I guess because like the Wii U maybe had one or two games that would have benefited from that like Monster Hunter uh and not much else yeah. uh so like and plus you know the Switch is sort of premised on the idea that you can just split those controllers off yeah uh, yeah Nintendo is also you know more about the couch co-op wouldn't like that game would be fucking horrible to play with that little Joy-Con though, like just one half of the Joy-Con. Like, you can't. I'm yeah. sure you can't do like, that. I mean, having just played through 
uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2 on the Switch, like trying to play that with just half of a Joy-Con is maybe like the worst control experience I've ever had in my life. Did you do that? I I gave it like an honest shot. Like it's just, it's awful. Yeah. No, I, I've tried. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's like, it's not a good controller for that type of game, but like Resident Evil games, for the most part, you are either moving or shooting. So like conceptually it could work, but it was just like, Having to use the shoulder button to change between moving around and aiming the camera, is just, it was just terrible. Well, I think in general, really, I really do not like the Joy-Con controllers kind of at all. Um, I've switched to a Pro Controller pretty early on and kind of haven't looked back since. I just bought one of those, and I'm like, oh, now I that see why it's... Seven- Heavenly. Well, I'm like, oh, now I see why it's $70. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that's why I didn't buy one. Yeah, that's rough. But I, I didn't buy one for a long time. Yeah, I didn't buy one for a long time because I'm like, 70 bucks? Come on. Yeah. But then I try. I, so, yeah, anyway, I'll, I guess I'll talk about that a little bit later. But that Pro Controller is it's fucking great. It's really mm-hmm. good. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, th- those were your sort of uh, runner ups. Uh, Heidi, let's, let's, what, what, what would be your number six? My number six would probably be uh, the Wonder Boy 3 remake that came out very recently. Oh, I just got that, too. It's really good. Yeah, that game is great. Like, uh, if you're unfamiliar with Wonder Boy 3, um, it's a Master System game kind of in the uh, the vein of Metroid, where uh, you're going around. It's, it's non-linear, but it actually is kind of linear. You kind of have to get items, or in this case, transformations that get you to various areas up until you reach the end. Um, because it was on the Master System, it's not really very well known here in the States, but in Europe, it was a really big and really influential game. I think European players would probably say it's better than NES Metroid, and I'd be inclined to agree on that point. Well, I thought it was a secret. NES Metroid isn't that great. Yeah, I yeah, thought exactly. I, I thought that game was a Turbo Graphics game. Uh, okay. I, I I don't know if I really want to get into the convoluted. Okay. Here, but, <laughs> was it port? Uh, no. Was it? It, it is also a Turbo. It is also a Turbo Graphics game by weird means. Because I thought yeah, that because when I switched between the new graphics and the old graphics, I was like, these old graphics do not look like a Turbo Graphics game to me. Uh, yeah, and I've only played, and I've played through the Turbo Graphics version. <laughs> yeah. So I was a little surprised, but it's a very good remake. It is an extremely, extremely good remake. It shows just how well the original has held up because they haven't really changed much of the gameplay. I think one of the big sticking points nowadays is that it doesn't really give you a lot of good hints as to what to do, though. With the new graphics, uh, the new graphics they kind of show you. Like, they give little hints that the original game didn't, and that really kind of helps out. The fact that you can switch between the graphics and music at any time, but the gameplay remains the same, just goes to show that this game has aged really, really well. Yeah, I thought the jumping, you know, the the platforming was a little... But it was like that in the original. (laughs) Like, it's just how it is. Yeah, some of the juggles are not great. Like, you can have a boss that will just ram you into a wall for, like, 10 seconds at a time, but other than that, uh, it's a great game. The new graphics are beautiful. The animation's great. The new music tracks are just, like, beautiful, you know? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the music is really good, although I did switch it over to the 8-bit <laughs> music because I love, I love that old music. Like, that game has great, great, great little tunes. It's really, uh, it's really good. Yeah, it's really an exemplary, uh, it kind of shows people how to do a, a modern remake without destroying the spirit of the original game, which I feel a lot of remakes kind of miss the point when they're attempting. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's a that's a very uh, very cool game. I'm I'm glad it went on sale finally because like I didn't want to pay twenty bucks. Isn't it wasn't it like twenty five or something on the Switch? <laughs> and I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah. But it went on sale recently, so it was good. Um, cool. That's a really good number six, uh, Dave. Uh, so my runners up are for uh, Battle Chef Brigade <sighs> and then Pyre. <laughs> Uh, for more or less the same reason that, like, I'm only maybe halfway through each of them. Okay. Uh, and my gut says they're good, but uh, or I have a really good feeling about them, but uh, I just don't quite know for sure. Because, like, Pyre is a super giant game, and thus far their pattern is, like, halfway through the game, they're like, okay, you're used to these man- mechanics, and now it gets really hard. Right, just hit that, that point in Pyre, and I was like sort of coasting along, playing this thing that's kind of like a old three on three b ball simulator, uh, and like you know not feeling much opposition. As soon as they bump up that difficulty, I went from being undefeated to like getting completely aced by like, uh, knight errant fishmen, or I guess yeah. like sea serpents, but they're really small, so sea serpents probably a bit of a over glorious term uh, and sort of parted ways with the game. And, and, you know, I wouldn't say a rage quit, but, uh, you know, I took a deep breath and I was like, I think I got to play this game when I have access to a controller because I've been trying to play it on mouse and keyboard and like, you know, maneuvering NBA jam, but (laughs) with more buttons on on like even using the WASD controls uh, was like really cumbersome. But, you know, I mean, it's, like, got a lot of the super giant qualities that really resonate with me. It's got, like, a great art style, great soundtrack. Uh, They super pulled back on the narrator stuff, which, like, if they had put out a third game that was, like, even more heavy on the narrator, where Transistor was, like, already 150% more than Bastion, like, I I mean, it would have dipped into, like, self-parody. So, like, I'm glad that they decided to pull back on that a little. And, uh, I mean, it's, like, a really neat game. It's, like, this visual novel kind of uh, wandering through the wasteland thing with slight choices, kind of like Banner Saga, uh, paired with, yeah, this, like, sort of NBA jam game, but with fantasy aesthetics and, like, stats and equipment and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like I loved Bastion. I couldn't get into Transistor, and then you know Pyre's. It's it's NBA Jam, but it, they 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 uh, bolted a visual novel onto it. It's like <clears throat> that sounds like something I'll watch on someone else play. <laughs> it sounds neat, but I will watch somebody else play that. Uh, and Graz is signaling me that she had Battle Chef Brigade <laughs> on her list too. That, no, that was my runner up. So if uh, you were going to take two, I'll I was leave like it to uh, her. Yeah. Why don't you tell us about Battle Chef Brigade? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's actually, I it's sort of my runner up for a similar reason. We haven't, I haven't gotten that far in it, into yeah. it. 
What is that? I, I feel like I've barely heard of it. It's when did it actually come out? I forget. Uh, like a month ago. Yeah. Maybe so two months. It, I've been waiting for this game for a while, though. I think I backed it on Kickstarter. It's like this match matching game where you're also cooking food, you know, and it ties in with uh, the animals you actually go and hunt and slaughter in the world. Yeah, it's like a super light 2D character action game. It's uh, probably a more efficient way animals, of uh, And then the cooking it. is this match three uh, with a lot of modifiers. And, and it's all themed around this fantasy Iron Chef. So you're doing both at the same time. Like you've got a six minute countdown to go out, hunt these dragons or living mushrooms or whatever. Yeah, and so you switch back and forth. Uh, you just basically run around, kill things, and and so like the art style is is pretty good. It feels like it could have been a little more. I don't know. Finished. I mean, it's one. It's an indie game. You know, it's a Kickstarter game. I it think has they, a little bit of a flash game look. Yeah. Yeah. There's like sort of lacking in between animations for. The running and it's not even that. I mean, like the thing is, I like the aesthetic. I just feel like maybe they didn't have enough, like whatever resources or time or whatever, to really flesh it out, like totally, fully in a way that's. I mean, it's still cute. Look, it's cute. I like it, and it's very fun. And uh, I just I like cooking games generally, or games that involve food. <laughs> so that's great. I've been waiting for it forever, and it's actually really enjoyable. So I'm I'm psyched to actually play more of it. And it's it's finished, right? It's not like early access or backer. No, or yeah, backer it's beta. Out. It's out. You can get it on the Switch too, actually. Now. Oh, all right. Interesting. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Um, my, do you have any others? Any other runner ups? No, that was actually my runner up. That oh, okay. Was why I was like, what the hell? Why'd you take two? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's six or seven, you know, it doesn't, it's all right. Um, I but, so. but, but thanks for speaking up, deal. but thank you for speaking up. Cause we were, we could, yeah. Thank the communication <laughs> yeah, is, no. is key. Cause I was like, I don't actually have another one. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Sorry. Uh, yo, my number six is a little game called, which I feel was created in a lab somewhere with my picture on the wall. Um, it's called the Mummy D Master. <laughs> it's uh, so. Here's the story of this game. You probably didn't see this movie, uh, but I I love terrible fucking movies like train wrecks. <laughs> I love them. I watch as many of them as I can. I go see them in theaters. And so, as a person who loves train wrecks, I run ran to the theater to see the Tom Cruise Mummy movie that opened earlier this yeah. year, and it and it was to my expectations fucking horrible. Uh, I completely forgot that came out. Yeah, not a lot of people did. It bombed horribly. It was an intended. Yeah. They intended on starting a whole cinematic universe of Universal monsters, and this one was going to be the Mummy, and then the next one was going to be like I don't know. Wolfman or Frankenstein or something. Yeah, for, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. all of that, all of that, completely oh toppled by the performance yeah. of this film. Anyway, <laughs> it turns out that Universal paid way forward. Uh, they of the like Ducktales remastered and Shantae the Genie games, which I've still never really played. Um, they made they were commissioned or something to make a a uh, sort of playstation style like symphony of the night style metroidvania for this movie for the terrible tom cruise mummy movie 
Um, this is not the first time WayForward has done something like this either. So, no. The WayForward also made a Scorpion King game for the Game Boy Advance. I had no idea <laughs> that this was a thing that happened. That I, I think they did a, a Blood Rain game, too. Yes. Yes, they did. They did. Okay. Yes. They, they have made, they have made uh, several um, sort of Metroidvania or plat- <laughs> action That's games. Great. Based on aliens game, yeah, a Metroidvania aliens game. Yes, yes, they did. Um, now I, I've barely played most of those. Uh, this was one of the first ones that of theirs that I had really played, and I immediately fucking loved it. Uh, it was my fucking jam. So Metroidvania is my genre. That is my shit. Like I play mm-hmm. all of them. If they come out, I, if someone says, "Hey, we made a Metroidvania," I will be first in line. And yes, let me play her Metroidvania. I think it's because I'm getting old <laughs> and just like the same shit over and over again. But like, I just really love that mm-hmm. gameplay style. Also, they usually tend to be less than 20 hours long and they're very satisfying to play. Like, and I also, you get a lot of, hopefully you get a lot of cool art. Like that's what I want. Um, and, uh, this has all of that, at least for the first two thirds of it or so. Um, the soundtrack is fucking amazing. And like easily, like aside from near, the best soundtrack of the of the year, easily is for it, me. Is it, is it Jake Kaufman? Um, no. Well, maybe I don't know. I it, let me uh, let me. I was listening to it's on Spotify. You can actually just find it there. So it's not just like the soundtrack to the film or related to the. No, film it's, it's completely like totally original. Um, this is it's a, by an artist called Monomer. Uh, huh. it, it's on. Uh, like I said, it's um, it's. It's basically, uh, it's not chiptunes, but it is that style just with a little bit more instrumentation and everything behind it. It's it's very, very good music, and it feels like it could sort of exist separate from the game. Um, and it's it's not related to the movie or anything. It's just atmospheric, cool-sounding music. Like, yeah, it's really good. Uh, the problem with it is that it has this absolutely terrible death mechanic where... When you die, you lose all of your upgrades, and you, are cor- you have to do corpse run, and you have to kill your corpse, which has all of your upgrades. That uh, sounds like way forward. Uh, yes. like, that sounds like shoehorned in Dark Souls like mechanic. Uh, yes, and and I I was yeah, and I was cool with it for a little bit, <laughs> and then you have to run down endless hallways full of really hard enemies, and you die at the end of it, and getting back to your corpse. You have to kill all the really hard enemies and then yourself with the upgrades just to move on. Just to move on in the game. It sucked. Like, I hit a point where I stopped. They've got such a tendency to overbalance their games. Yeah, yeah, totally. And this one was all, like, you could tell they put all this heart, like, all this heart into it. Like, oh, we're, we're... we're we're uh, tuning this thing for speed runs, and we're making sure that the, the, there's satisfying things in here for people who love Metroidvania games. Like the progression is good; it's the secrets are tough, but not that tough to find. Um, they they really did a good really, uh, did a really good job balancing like when you get health upgrades and when you get weapon upgrades and all of that stuff. And the, and the bosses are kind of bullet spongy, but I sort of expected that. Um, but that death mechanic really drove it into the ground uh, because you can get stuck for ever to the point where you will never want to touch it again and not only that it ends after about five hours which is fine but the end of it is pretty uninspired and it just kind of stops uh you know it's fine it like in the end if you love metroidvania like i do you you should get this when it's like two dollars or whatever because the soundtrack and the first two-thirds of the game are super fun and it is really a solid one of these games 
Um, and it's also incredibly strange that it's based on this horrible bomb of a film. Like, this is like a Battlefield Earth game existing, and the game is actually good, you know? <laughs> um, but I, it's such an interesting thing, and it's so, like, my fucking wheelhouse. Like, Metroidvania based on a horrible fiasco of a film. Uh, I couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't get enough of it for a while there, but then it betrayed me. Uh, <laughs> so there's that uh, my other runner up is a little bit of a troll uh, so I'm not going to talk about it until later because I'm sure it's on one of your lists um, so <laughs> why don't we move on to these lists that we got uh, I asked everyone to come up with a top five what I'm going to do is we're going to go around in, and I'll, I'll just uh, you know do it moderator style and we'll go from five through one and list your game tell us and we can have a conversation about each one um, so, uh, for number five, I'm actually going to start with Graziella. Okay. Um, I guess for five, I would say I'm going to put Danganronpa three. The, the third one. Yeah. All right. That's what I'm going to put in five. I hadn't, it's hard for me to actually, you know, order the top five. Sure. But I guess in five, I'll go, I'll go with Danganronpa. Yep. Danganronpa three. <laughs> so- it was good. It was, you know, very Danganronpa, which is, you know, I've come to really enjoy that series along with really, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where you're, it's great, but it's also just so much sometimes and just so unnecessarily, (laughs) like, aggressively disturbing in a way that it doesn't need to be. Uh, this one, I guess, had a little bit less of that, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like a little bit more. Really? <laughs> there were certain characters. Uh, I mean, the... I mean, the, yes. There's a phrase there's that always the term cum dumpster. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, sorry. That's <laughs> oh, uh, definitely yeah. true. They, they pushed that... Rela- so, like, that's a relationship that exists, I don't know, between characters in the game. It's like, you know, a fucking... What's it called? Bioshock. There's always a character. Yeah. There's always a castle. There's always a a man. There's always there's a cum dumpster. Yeah. There's always there's always yeah, and like some shitty pretty pretty boy who's domineering, who's mean to her, and both of them really enjoy it. But it's not. It's somehow just like yeah. It's just uh, yeah, like she's horrible meanness. Yeah, <laughs> like that's always. One of the things about Danganronpa, I haven't quite been able to wrap my head around. Uh, and I feel like there were some egregious moments of it in this. This is also on it's my true. list. I didn't know if it was just the translation, honestly. I didn't know if that, because like a lot of the things that he calls her, I mean, this is just there, you know, for those who don't know, Danganronpa is like this um, game with a sprawling cast of you know sort of displaced high school students who end up in a murder school headed by a uh, homicidal robot bear ai named monokuma is that sound about right yeah i mean you know without getting into any really any of it that's a good that's like the back of the box that's good so um so two of the characters in this one are like this genius um scientist inventor who's also like a super uh, i don't know like what is her character i guess that's what you're calling fujoshi yeah she's not quite like toko but no yeah so she's just i don't know she's sort of like in i mean they're all high school students but she's like mature and like makes 
jokes about how everyone else thinks that she's super hot. <laughs> right. Things about the game. Well, well, hang on. So, well, but here's my question, though. I know now. Yeah. I I have not played Danganronpa three, but I am yeah. married to a man who is obsessed with Danganronpa and yeah. reviewed this uh, and has played through those games over and over and over again. So I know them very well. The ending of this game did it recontextualize yeah. the stuff that you were talking? Did it did it do an inadequate job recontextualizing the stuff that you're talking about? It didn't really bother me that much. I feel like it, it, at this point, the meta stuff with that, those games is sort of expected. Yeah, but the ending of this one was like, people yeah. were scandalized by it, right? Were they? Yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I yes. don't pay attention to those sorts of comments. Or Wait, just because it was like, yeah, man. Well, it was the, like, I'm turning the lens back on the audience. I mean, I feel like, honestly, I saw that sort of signaled at the point where they show the little kid there's like a point where they show a little kid playing a video game and being like my life is miserable and he doesn't correspond to any of the characters so you're like who is this person why is he in the show or why is he in the game all of a sudden and it's like obviously and then from then on they're very much indicting the player i feel like well y'all very obvious way y'all are very thoughtful uh and non-reactionary people but the the the, the, so your (laughs) and so your reaction might not be uh might not be anger but the the ending was controversial with fans i feel like that's not an unfair thing to say and and it, I yeah, mean, it definitely, I find that interesting. I yeah. feel like isn't that what people sort of go to the series for? Yeah, it was very split. It was very huh. split on that huh. one. Like, I, mean, I guess it's not that surprising, but I didn't take it as. Uh, I didn't think it would be so divisive. I feel like I I could see if people were like, I didn't like that so much. Uh, yeah. I wasn't like a hundred percent behind it, uh, but I do think. Like why I like Danganronpa outside of the fact that like it it's really good at like sort of torquing anime stereotypes, yeah. And, like you know having you eat out of its hand mm-hmm. in certain cases, yeah. and then be like, "Haha, fooled you! This character is actually this," or like you know, sort of infamously in the first game, like your like once in a lifetime beloved crush that you've been reunited with since middle school. And you're definitely going to spend the rest of your life together. Like turns out to be the first murderer who tries to frame you for the crime. Yeah. And that happens uh, like in the first, she was just being nice three hours. Make you her patsy. Yeah. Well, the oh, cases get like increasingly absurd and crazy and that's, and that's yeah. part of the course, but this time it's commentative on that specifically. Like that's what they're commenting on and it, it gets turned on its ear in the end. But I feel like they were going, I mean, like that's always sort of been part of the sort of like, what are we doing? Yeah. It sort of like mirrors the sort of like, oh, what are we doing as a society? What are we doing as, you know, in this school? Yeah, sure. What are I, we doing now? It's like, I feel in, like in the last one, it was like they were, they were in the internet. La- I mean, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, it was something. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, yeah. In the last one, it, they were like in the internet, right? Yes. And in this one, they get turned into video game characters well, that you... have. Sorry, should I not give that away? Well, let's <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, now people like I know. So I know people are uh, like have not played the game yet, and yeah, and and, no, and, and and knowing the end of Danganronpa three, I feel like does kind of uh, d- diminish the experience if you're planning on actually playing through it. So I would probably yeah, stop short of actually enough. spoiling the ending. But uh, okay, but but then uh, I'll just I'll just say that what they do at the end, they've sort of. Um, 
they introduce that sort of theme or that mm. possibility or that idea earlier in the game in a very like obvious way where it's the plot to one of the murders. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's true. Like in the second game, you know, this is sort of what they do. And like, that's sort of one upsmanship, like game being like, how is the reveal of this game going to be bigger than right. the last? One? And I think your idea was like, okay, Okay, definitely they're on the moon. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, that was just kind of like kicking that idea around or like they're, they're in space this was time. Like pretty close to what it ended up being. You know, that was a completely different murder people simulator visual novel. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, you know, I there's something to be said just for these sort of Phoenix Wright style investigation games. Um just, you know, completely divorced from the context of Danganronpa, it's just really satisfying to, like, click on evidence and then put together Yeah, they're the some pieces. of my favorite types of games. Um, and if if the game is paced well, and this is very difficult, and, like, even Danganronpa is not always great at it, Phoenix Wright is often terrible at it, like, the revelations should be coming about when you figure it out. Uh, I mean, that's just hard to do, though, yeah, because yeah, people, sure. are I mean, yeah. people are going to have different... But, like, you know... The, Danganronpa strings you out really well, and it's pretty good at like hiding one, its like, hiding its actual moves. Yeah. It's like larger moves. It's surprising, I feel like, how good Danganronpa can be at it. I mean, like obviously they're not going to be perfect every time, and like it is really. I feel like it probably is really hard to write those scenarios and string out information like that in a way that's you know writing mysteries. I guess you know tough, but um, I don't know. That it is like very successful sometimes at surprising you. And like the production values in this one are like enormous compared to the past two. They animated it, one whole thing where a, yeah. he, the <laughs> character does a little role. Um, it's the only thing animated in the game. I don't know why they did it. Um, <laughs> it's just one thing. Because I think the first two games were both originally PSP games. Yeah. Vita games. Uh, that was imported to everything, but like surprisingly recently, like in the past few years. Um, and so this one, they always had a really good aesthetic sense. And it's kind of this like kitchen sink punk kind of thing uh, of just like really aggressive colors and sharp edges and stuff like that for the UI and such. Uh, but seeing it in like high resolution as opposed to playing an up res game on your Vita, which is how we got it here. Uh, it was really nice, and it plays into, like, I want to say the class trials in this one are, like, 50% longer, if not more, than, like, the average one in the past games, which I would usually think hmm. of as about, like, 90 minutes or two hours, and these ones are, like, some of them are easily three hours long, and it's just sort of, like, astonishing the amount of, like, it's all voice acted, uh, like, you know, scripted. It's it's just like a really nice package, and it's nice to have something that feels like it has an aesthetic sense and like a, a modicum of budget behind it that isn't tied into you know like a first person shooter or something like that. Because uh, visual novels, you know, are made on the cheap side yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Uh, so to see one that sort of has that, it's in that genre, but it clearly has a lot more money and time behind it. Uh, is just a it's a rarity. Yeah, did you all play Ultra Despair Girls? Yes. Uh, I, yeah. yeah. I, I actually reviewed it for the site. 
And, uh, oh, that's right. You did. Um, and I actually did a PC impressions piece for it for the site. <laughs> All right, then. Then many of you did, and it was at my request. <laughs> uh i was just curious like if you thought um because I, I know jacob's impression of that was basically like well it exists uh yeah. but it's not really you know <laughs> yeah i felt like they got a little big for their britches at certain points in that game there are some themes that you know danganronpa doesn't have a light touch yeah. uh and nope. that like there are some pretty explicit uh and difficult and very uh yeah abuse yeah, like uh, extreme, and the yeah, it was just really rough. There was especially one part. I'm sure anyone who's played it will know exactly what we're talking about. Um, that's just sort of, I don't know. I feel like maybe they thought they were being like bold and confronting an issue, but really, it's like kind of ups- it's just upsetting. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, <laughs> all right. Well, Dave, you said Danganronpa was also on your list. Yeah. I mean, call it number five just for efficiency. I feel like that's why you've been talking about it. Well, yeah. so Graz told us why it was yeah. Graz told us why it was bad. Why? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I am the worst what? at talking about things I like. I, I actually really do like this game. <laughs> well, so what? What was so good about it? Well, you know, aside from what I what I've said, like you do come to Danganronpa for that one-upsmanship, yeah, uh, of itself. Uh, and it's like it, it's uh, you know it's just really nice to play one of these games that is just so enthusiastic, yeah, uh, about what it is selling you, regardless of the quality of what it's selling, which has its peaks and valleys. Like the energy is infectious, yeah, uh, and that's a great yeah. It definitely feels a itself. visual novel to have, especially because there's just so much text to go through, yeah, yeah, uh, and, and like the pace that dang around, and these these games are like forty hours long, yeah. <laughs> like, at, on the short end. Yeah, uh, totally. So, like, just to have that sort of propulsive force of its energy to get you through the fact that you're reading, like, hundreds of thousands of words. Right. Um, and then going through these things that are twice the length of, like, a theatrical movie every five or six hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, just sort of, you know, and, and for me, like, I can't sit through a movie. Uh, but the interactive element of this sort of keeps me pinned to my seat and, you know, the fussing with evidence and there's always like a half dozen twists and turns in the trial itself of like, you thought it was him, but it was actually me and, you know, Mm. that sort of stuff. Um, And like, I felt like this one kind of dipped its toes in some stuff that was kind of weird. I wasn't like, you know, Danganronpa always toes an extremely thin line and not super well, which like a lot of satire or, or parody does. Um, and I think it falls on its face sometimes. Uh, I think it fell on its face a little more in this one mm. than like it just came off as there were more moments of tone deafness uh, than I perceived in other ones. Um, but there was also, I mean, the, the one thing that killed me is like the sort of twist of the opening chapter, because there has to be a twist in the opening chapter. Uh, it was, they couldn't have not done it almost like without giving away what it is. Like it was, it was time. It was was sort of like the last card in their hand for an introduction, Yeah, but it was also paired uh, with the first like female protagonist in the series. uh, And they kind of put it through a gear in that uh, in a way that sort of let me down and then had to win me back. Uh, And I feel like it did sufficiently. 
Uh, and I feel like the ramp up, like there's always a really strong ramp up in the Danganronpa games where like you get through the first three chapters and you're like, this is fun, but whatever. Like I'm enjoying these mysteries, the plot. Eh. And then the plot like takes off like a rocket ship in the last three chapters. And I feel like they did a really good job there of like keeping you close with like sort of the weird, like there's always like a really esoteric murder as the second to last chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and this one sort of paid off really well. And then the final, like, I don't know, like I'm just so surprised that people are really mad about the third one. Like it's almost like there couldn't have been another way to do it or. You mean it's just sort of like the logical evolution of the, yeah, of where and, they've been going with the series. Cause they, Right. Yeah. And I liked it to a certain extent because like the message without going into details, a lot of it's like, Hey, why do you come to these games? Exactly. Is it cause you want to see people win or is it cause you want to see people suffer? And where's the line between those things? Yeah. Uh, and like, are you a good person <laughs> for wanting that? And I suspect like, you know, the director of these games is, it seems like it comes, comes across as a pretty introspective guy yeah. uh, in interviews and stuff. So I suspect a lot of that is like, am I a good person well, for writing? Yeah, it's like you're right, yeah. yeah. It's pretty obviously wrestling with its own content and like the idea of, and it is such like a like just a just media, just like a explosion of graphical media visual like visual media and and text and like these different ui elements like it's it's this explosive thing i don't know and then sorry i kind of lost my track actually that's that cool that's cool we should uh i i think that i think we've covered danganronpa at this point though so uh okay. why don't we yeah, move yeah, on that's cool no it look it, i'm glad that it came up because that was uh, that game coming out really like it, it generated a tremendous amount of discussion and I'm, I'm glad it's on yeah. there. Cause I, it's not on my list cause I didn't play it myself. Um, but, uh, Heidi, what is your number five? Okay. My number five is something that's probably not on anyone else's list. Uh, it's actually fire emblem, uh, shadows of Valentia. You're right. That is not on my list. Okay, good. Anybody else? So, nope. It almost made my runner up. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I bet, I bet Dave, maybe. <laughs> uh, so what's up, honey? So, yeah, uh, Fire Emblem Fates just did not do anything for me. I consider myself a, you know, I like the Fire Emblem games a fair bit, but after Fates, and I mean, I I, I kind of gave up on on, like, even my first playthrough. I was like, man... Am I just done with Fire Emblem? And then I picked this one uh, up. I had to review it for uh, for GameSpot. And playing this, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Actually, this uh, reminds me why I like Fire Emblem. Basically, um, it's kind of a callback to some of the earlier Fire Emblem games where, you know, making your character smooch was not front and center of the game, but instead something kind of on top, a nice bonus. Mm-hmm. And the meat of the Some game is uh, managing your characters, uh, having a lot of good strategy. This is a very, very hard game. And overall, just being a really solid strategy RPG that takes a lot of both, well, 
It takes a lot of time in that you want to make sure your characters are well-trained for battle, and uh, battles themselves are also pretty involved. There are some really hard maps in this one. And I really just liked it a lot. Going back to the formula that made me like Fire Emblem to begin with, this felt really refreshing. So it's like Fire Emblem Classic as opposed to the sort of waifu gotcha thing that has become the main <laughs> the like main series. Well, even more than yeah, that, like, I, I've played uh, just a little bit of it, and it even goes back before the weapon triangle system, right? Yep. Right. So is this, is this all the way back to like Super Nintendo or like GameCube? This is a uh, remake of a Famicom game. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. Oh, all right. Essentially Fire Emblem 2. It's Fire Emblem Gaiden. Right. Okay. Interesting. And this is a 3DS game? Yes. Okay. Huh. Cool. That's cool. Um, I had not heard that much about that, but knowing that it's like Fire Emblem Classic, I might actually take a look at it. Because I, I not like the newer the newer Fire Emblems kind of lose me too, but the older ones, I you know, I had a fondness for that gameplay. So yeah, there's still a lot of uh, fun little character interactions you can have, but it's not like you're playing this basically to watch characters hook up and have babies. Yeah, right. The thrust here is the story, which is actually pretty darn good, and the strategy, which is pretty intense. <laughs> cool. That's excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Um, Dustin, your number five. My number five is Yakuza Zero. Cool. <laughs> I'm glad it's on there. I, I thought yeah. about it. I thought about it. I didn't play enough of it, though. Yeah. Um, didn't 100% it, but definitely saw it all the way through to the end and actually watched another playthrough of it on top of that. Um, the thing with Yakuza is that began all those years ago as this super hard-hitting story about the Japanese underworld, and somewhere along the way it became... A series of games about hardened criminals being very nice to every single person they meet on the street. And Yakuza Zero just, with all the strange little side stories and everything that the characters of this game get up to, it's just the most bizarre congregation of ideas I've seen in such an otherwise, you know, straightforward, pulpy crime story action game that it's it just kind of has a personality unlike any other game that's really out there. So there um, were, there were two Yakuza games released this year. Did you play right. them both and choose this one or did you only play zero? I played them both and picked this one. Uh, the other one is Yakuza Kiwami, which mm-hmm. is a remake of the original game. And I don't actually think Kiwami is very good. It really, it kind of suffered. Yeah, so it I- takes, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, it takes the the story of uh, the original PS2 game and updates it with the combat and mechanics of Yakuza 0. But doing that kind of just reveals all the other ways in which the original game wasn't as good as its sequels. Because yeah, the stories... Yeah, the pacing in that game is bad. Yeah, definitely. so much... And it focuses on characters you don't give a shit about, even if it gives us that awesome moment where Kiryu kicks the door and the guy falls over. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, the other- I mean, and also, like, the side story thing is, like, 
what better evidence could you have than these two things like Yakuza 0 and then a remake of Yakuza 1 coming out within five months of each other? Like, we've been playing Kiwami, and every side story is somebody bumps into you on the street and then tries to run an insurance scam on you. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> yeah. legit, like, 80% of Literally. them. And then the rest are a girl acts slutty and then takes you to a bar, but turns out she wasn't actually slutty. She was trying to rip you off. But then you go back to Zero. Uh, I was about to say the same thing about the side stories in Kwame. But in Zero, you've got so much weird stuff. Like you have to infiltrate a cult to rescue somebody's daughter who's been indoctrinated by these guys. Mm -hmm. Um, There is the now infamous How to Train a Dominatrix story uh, (laughs) where you basically have to instruct a very uh, shy S&M worker about how to be mean to her clients. Um, it's not, so it's just dramatically more interesting <laughs> it is it is absolutely dramatically more interesting there's just so much variety to all that stuff and like on top of that the core of the actual story they're telling like between all those ridiculous side missions is interesting on its own merits as well um, I would al- describe the tone of this game as almost Metal Gear like where it takes itself super seriously with like this, you know, gritty action story about manly men beating the shit out of each other. And then just undercuts it constantly in the side stuff with all these characters acting like absolute idiots in the meantime, between the actual story beats. Metal gear is a real, like tone wise metal gear is a really good comparison. And I feel like I don't hear that. I feel like maybe I haven't heard that said before. Is that tone wise? It's it's reaching for that, and that's probably why it's so successful. Uh, yeah. That's a really good point. All right, so Yakuza. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like the it's only for lack of Yakuza's popularity in the West that I feel like maybe that comparison doesn't get made as much because mm. it's actually or it's you know fairly insightful or like cuts at the heart of the matter of, of yeah. like. It's it's perceived one way by people generally, like how people right. often perceive Metal Gear. But like, it's really willing to sort of just like have fun with itself. Uh, in both Zero and Kiwami, there's like a long side story where uh, Kiryu gets really into pocket car racing <laughs> uh, and like is playing this like motor circuit, yeah. like tiny motocross cars thing with like children <laughs> uh, and then there's the entire phenomenon of Machima, which yeah, is well, like I mean, that's you know, like sort of the one facet missing from yakuza zero is majima everywhere which is the definitely the best new system of 2017 <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> i want to shout out majima's cabaret as the best video game cutscene of the year perhaps the greatest greatest mm. video game cutscene of all time yeah, I mean, that's like a, I was telling Grotz about that because we've been playing Kiwami, but it's like a fantastic way to introduce him of like he's the manager at this club and this guy, this drunk customer is trying to beat him up and he, you're all, you're attacking him. But all your attacks are like dodge behind him and then offer him a warm towel <laughs> and stuff like that. And it's like completely at odds with the Majima that right. everybody else has known for the past 10 years because he's this like really suave, collected guy. Uh, where up to this point, he's been this, like, loose cannon, wild card, like, totally obsessed and horny for Kiryu. <laughs> and this is, of course, a prequel before they meet. 
I feel like I should get back to Yakuza Zero. Like I should have played should. more of that. It's sitting it's on my one people should play. I think I think so. Like I was torn between like okay, I'm either going to go back to Yakuza Zero or Final Fantasy 15. One of these two, and I think he may have made up my mind for me. Um, I, yeah, that's the right choice. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That's the right call. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Uh, my number five is a game called Cuphead. Um, this is a game everybody listening to this has heard of and probably played. Uh, it sold a lot of copies. It's a shooter that is based on, it's sort of inspired by, uh, noodly ass cartoons from the thirties. Uh, and you've probably heard a lot about it and it's, so, like, I thought about this. I was like, what do I put in my number five slot? Because there was, like, three or four things that could have gone in there. And the reason I put Cuphead here is because it is a thoroughly enjoyable experience, even though it's very – it's it's exactly the right kind of hard uh, in that it is very difficult. But it, it is rewarding kind of difficult, the exact kind of difficult where if you get good at it – and that, I don't just mean, like – learn the game, beat the game, but, like, it wants you to learn it in a very specific way, and it wants you to pay attention, and you have to sit there and pay attention and care and put effort into being good at it, into into learning the patterns and figuring out which weapon works best on which enemy, and, like, it's hard, but it's a surmountable challenge, like, and it's it's so tightly designed that that challenge, it's not so opaque, like, you can get through it. You just have to have a little dedication and some patience. And uh, it's a beautiful, a really, really tight, really well-executed little game that obviously is getting all the attention it deserves. So, uh, yeah. Did did uh, did any of y'all uh, take a look at this? Or, or for that matter, finish it? Because <laughs> that I haven't done yet. I am just in the first world. <laughs> just the finish. first world? Yeah, too hard. For me. Yeah. It's too hard. <laughs> but it is good. I mean, it's good. I just, uh, I actually have only played a little bit of it. It is hard as fuck. Yeah. yeah. You have to, like, have, you have to sit there and focus. Yeah. I have, I have intentions of finishing it, but, like, <laughs> this past two weeks, I decided to finish Persona 5 instead, so that took up a little bit of a time. A little more time, yeah, than yeah. Cuphead. Um, like, at the same time, like, when I say, like, oh, I need to finish this, that's like saying, I need to run a 10K, although... I I could do that. I need to run a full marathon. I need to run 27 miles. Like I would have to train a long time in order to to run 26 miles or whatever. I would have to do that. So that's what like saying I'm going to beat Cuphead. Okay, it's a goal. <laughs> you know? That's yeah. a that's a life goal. <laughs> um but yeah, I I really liked it. I feel like I'm going to go back to it over and over again and like 5 years from now I will still be occasionally booting up Cuphead. And and playing around with it a little bit. Um, that's the kind of thing that's going to age extremely well. Um, not only that, but they uh, they nailed the compositing, <clears throat> which was to me the biggest thing. Was oh, you're going to make a game that looks exactly like an old cartoon. Well, how about you don't make it where it's super obvious which characters are going to animate and which ones aren't, yeah. and that the animated characters look like flash cutouts on top of an elaborately animated background. But they composited the fuck out of this thing and yeah. color matched it like crazy and everything just fits on the frame you take a screenshot everything looks like it is part of the film uh that it what to me was an amazing magic trick that you don't see in very many games at all where the character blends in with the background that well uh it's a just a beautiful piece of of just color design uh and compositing uh yeah great shit 
Uh, so let's move on to number four. Uh, I'm going to mix it up. At, uh, Heidi, why don't you tell us your number four? Sonic Mania. Really? Yes. That was a Absolutely. good game. Absolutely. It seemed pretty good. So Sonic. what was so good about Sonic Mania? Well, I admit, maybe I'm a bit biased, but uh, I I had an infatuation with classic Sonic when uh, when I was young, and uh, this was a lot of nostalgia for me, but more so than just being nostalgic, it's a really friggin' good platformer. Holy crap, is this game fun to play. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty fun. I don't think I had as good a time with it as you did. Like, I started running into some annoying shit in the levels, and... Uh, you know, like, yeah, but it it is really good. I really liked the, um, was it, there's a level that's like Sagopolis or something like that. That's like, or yeah, like, studio, Studiopolis. Studiopolis. Yeah. That was my jam. That was the shit. Yeah. It's got a nice mix of like all new stuff and uh, classic throwbacks, though. I really kind of wish it'd been slanted more towards the the all new stuff because I think some of the creativity they show in stages like Sudiopolis and uh, and Pulp Garden and uh, Mirage Saloon, all those stages are really, really cool. And some of the stages they picked for throwbacks uh, were not cool. Like, why would you pick Oil Ocean? That stage is terrible. And why would you put Elements from Sandopolis, the worst Sonic stage <laughs> in Oil Ocean? That's a bad idea. Please don't. Like, I feel like they did that because they liked the way Oil Ocean looks. And, like, that's it, maybe. <laughs> that stage uh, does suck, though. Um, yeah, my big, my big complaint with it is that sometimes the throwbacks are a bit too much like, hey, remember this thing in Sonic? When it's like, yeah, I remember that thing in Sonic. That wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, it copies some Sonic. Yeah, it copies some Sonic 3 stuff. That is, like, why? <laughs> why did you do this? I, I will say, though. They do have Lava Reef Zone, and Lava Reef is objectively the best Sonic stage. No mm. questions asked. I, I will say, as uh, someone who doesn't have a whole lot of nostalgia for Sonic, I, I was always a Nintendo kid, I, I, I think this game still holds up even without that nostalgia to back it up. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a, it's a ton of fun. I still find myself digging in and out, and... Uh, and we're playing it. It's a gorgeous game. They have they just nailed the graphic style of the old Sonics and made it look even better than it did before. Yeah, but, uh, so many frames in that opening animation with Sonic. <laughs> just so many frames. I uh, so it it felt like that game looks like what you think Gen like you remember Genesis games looking like. But if you play them now, it's like oh, this doesn't look as good as it. I thought this looked better than this when I was a kid. Sonic Mania kind of looks more like how you might remember it, right? Like, it's a little closer to the ideal. At least that's what it felt Perhaps. like. Perhaps. It's basically, like, made under the idea of this is the lost Sonic Saturn game that never existed. And yeah. go as far as having, like, low-poly po- low Sonic in all the special stages and things like that. To kind yeah. of- so it has, like, lore? Like, intra-Sonic uh, release releases lore? Kind of. There's another thing we shouldn't get into. Modern Sonic and classic Sonic. We can go all day about that. Well, I mean, it does have that hot uh, Mean Bean Machine crossover. Now that, oh, I was like, God. what the fuck? Like, why am I playing Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine? Which was a neat touch, except it goes on way too long. I Not thought. really. I thought. Maybe, 
Maybe you just admit you're bad at Mean Bean Machine. Okay, fine. Maybe I'm bad at Mean Bean Machine. <laughs> Maybe I don't like... Like, I couldn't finish Cuphead. Yeah. I can't play Mean Bean Machine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah these two are equal. <laughs> no, I'm not good at Puyo Puyo. <laughs> God, I'm so bad at that. Yeah. Um, but I thought it went on too long. Like, as an homage, I was like, this is cute, but why is this like a whole boss? It's like a whole boss. It's just that. Anyway, where's my green dog stage? They should put that in there. Oh my god, I haven't thought about that game in 20 years. Until now. <laughs> Until now, thanks, Zach. <laughs> All right, Sonic Mania. It is a good game. Um, uh, Dave, what's your number four? Well, Yakuza 0 is also my list. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, I, I mean, I tried to calibrate things without giving too much you know, overlap. Uh, but, you know, I feel like I said most of what needed to be said, yeah. or most of what I would have said. No, when we hit um, when we hit these repeats, but, if you had anything else you wanted to add, cool. Otherwise, we can we can just move on. But it's totally up to you. Yeah, I mean, it's just like they're it's like a ten year ten year old series where most of the stuff has come out in America, except for the weird spinoffs like the feudal era one that I'm still mad about. Uh, and so, <laughs> we got like the zombie game, so that's great. I. I put that on my Christmas list one year <laughs> and I'm playing like 45 minutes of it. <laughs> it, didn't, uh, it didn't, didn't catch didn't me know. at the time. Uh, but like, it, it's such a nice example of there's like almost a dozen games in that series. Uh, and it's just really nice to have one come out that like, Oh yeah, this is sort of unquestionably the best. Mm-hmm, uh, or sure. it's, it's clearly the one you would lead people to. Um, and it's nice that there's a remake of the first game that also came out this year because the first game like has a terrible balance, like difficulty balance. It's way too hard. Uh, and it's hard in these ways that are like just completely unfun where you have to kind of like spam cheesy moves <laughs> and uh, binge on energy drinks to get through the fights. Uh, so they repaired a lot of that stuff uh, and they fixed some of the stuff about like completion, how side stories work and stuff. Uh but, like, it's just so clear that Yakuza 0 is, like, the gold standard now. And I, it really makes me want to look forward to 6. Because yeah. at, th- at this point, 0 is pretty old. Like, it came out for PS3, and we're just getting it now. 6 is, like, the fastest turnaround we've got on one of these games by far. I mean, even on top of that, Zero is built in the same very old PS3 engine that 3, 4, and 5 were all built in. Yeah. And six is actually apparently going to be an actually new game, which is very exciting. Oh yeah, that'll be cool. And like, well, I wonder. I mean, I I don't know much about six. I hope something I really appreciated about zero is like four and five had this absurd amount of character bloat, where Mm -hmm. like four had four protagonists. I want to say five had five. I don't remember. Five had five. (laughs) And it's just like these completely unnecessary characters. That are like, in most cases, like like they're like the cop in four. Like, why did he exist? Uh, Nothing um, is worse than baseball man in five. Yeah, I know. Like, he's the exact same thing. It's like, all right, the lone shark with the heart of gold. I can see a place for him in the Yakuza universe. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to spoil it, but their first playable female character is pretty good uh, in five. But like, there was just. 
there's like such a fine line between like excess and bloat and Yakuza is usually pretty good at it. But like the series was clearly getting like a little too big for its britches. And it was like having too many crime movie plots at once. Like there's a guy who's in prison <laughs> and he has to escape. And then like he gets shot and then he washes up on the beach. I feel like, like that's Yakuza. They just do everything. They just do everything. I, I mean, and th- that's something I appreciate about Yakuza. Yeah. Like I appreciate about Danganronpa. But, like, it was just sort of spinning out of control. So to have it go back to, like, this comparatively uh, restrained thing where it's just Kiryu and Majima, like, was much nicer and much easier to wrap your head around. Uh, and you're not, like, constantly bouncing between five characters and then, like, getting to the end game and realizing you haven't leveled up all five characters enough to beat the final boss and then having to, like, grind through their side stories. Um, so I don't know much about six. I really hope it's like fewer characters. Um, I think it is actually just Kiryu, unless they're holding back something big. Like I feel like you should be able to play Haruka, and she should do all the same stuff <laughs> Kiryu does at this point. Like that's what I, where I want to see the story go. Because like that's the thing. I feel like I would be remiss. I think you're going to be it. disappointed. <laughs> like uh, I really. Like, I really like these games, and, like, a lot of what I like about it is they're sort of, like, just, at at most cases, like, just angelic purity. Like, these are just (laughs) these, like, beatific games where, like, Kiryu is not even the last chivalrous mobster. Like, he's this perfect being uh, who has, (laughs) like, never, like, he's never heard a fly like he he's doesn't like a, this selfless, selfless like, like Jesus yeah. of a man. He cannot he comprehend that he's being scammed. People who piss him off first. Yes. And street yeah. thugs, but that's because they need some, you know, proper datifying for a little while. He just swoops in and acts like their dad. Yeah. So I he's mean, like, gotta set what, you straight, kids. That's what I really like about Yakuza is like, you know, this stuff. And Yakuza does, like, descend into crassness and some gross stuff, and that's what I want to talk about. But, like, it's contrasted so wildly with, like, how Kiryu is presented as this, like, naive guy who, like, doesn't think about sex. Like, even though he goes to hostess bars, like, he's just having a conversation with these nice girls. Um, And that's why – and I love that. Like, it's just such a unique thing for this sort of, like, crime story to have this protagonist who's just, like – like, did you just wander out of the forest yesterday? Like, were you very, raised he's by very the pure. the tiger that you punched in the second game? But, like, I just feel like I would be remiss in mentioning that, like, these games keep doing the stuff with, like, especially, like, the trans misogyny, but also just, like, regular misogyny. Uh, like, it's kind of the same thing. Or, like, like, with Persona 5 this year, just, like, sort of, like, the completely ancillary, like, homophobic jabs. Uh, so, Isn't like, in Yakuza 0, there's just this, like, really gross, like, caricature of, like, I guess a trans woman, but you, like, honestly don't know. Uh, and it's just, like, sort of played for laughs, and it's just really lame. <laughs> like, Well, aren't, uh, so the Yakuza games are aimed at middle-aged Japanese men, right? Yeah, I mean, presumably. Yeah. It's probably, like, the same people who read GoGo 13. Yeah. Um, if, what, if, what, if it's what I'm thinking of, it's also just weird because feel like they kind of think that they're doing a good job. Which is a little kinder. This is like a muscle bound oh, dude this with is long just... hair in like a vine right. dress okay. uh, who occupies like five percent of the game. I don't know. Is a major player in one of the major mini games. So like you can't get away from them. Yeah. Uh, mm. and it's just like him keeps throwing in your face and it's like just so retrograde in a way that you're just like 
like who makes these jokes? Like, are you sixty-five years old? In, ja- in Japan, they occasionally like that. Every now and yeah. then, you will see it pop up. It's just a yeah. shitty old Japanese stereotype joke that shows up. It's a crappy bigoted joke that shows up in occasionally still in anime every now and then, occasionally in video games every now and then. It's always yes. a fucking bummer, and I always just try my best to fucking ignore it. Yeah, so I, it's the same thing as like Persona 5's gay panic stuff. It's yeah. like it's just so there that like it's it's a small percentage of the game, but like you know, it's a small percentage of the game that affects real people. Uh, so like I just felt like I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. You know what I want? I want a Yakuza game, maybe a spinoff, where the mainline story is you are running a money laundering operation through a propped up anime studio that does nothing but churn out like really badly animated light novel adaptations, and it's just a money Such laundering. A idea. F- yeah. The, someone make someone make that game. It would be that fucking amazing. Different from five, except it's with idols. <laughs> okay, but yeah, sure. But I want I the mean, anime it would be one. Better if it was anime, <laughs> and if you had directorial oversight. Uh, yeah, because as Yakuza Zero revealed, we know that Kiryu has experience in the film industry now as a producer. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Graciela, you're number four. Uh, I think I'm going with actually Mario. Okay, Super Mario, Mario Odyssey. Odyssey for number four. Mario Odyssey is also my number four. Really? Oh, great. Well, we can both talk about it. Well, then. I that? shunted it off to the runner-ups. <laughs> oh, no. I know. Yeah, really? Yeah, but we'll get to that uh, later. So tell me about, does since, since we have two number fours, Mario Odyssey, uh, Graziella, tell me what was so good about it. So I, you know, honestly, I really think it was the possession mechanic is what sort of elevated it to a new uh, level of just, I, I actually haven't enjoyed, I mean, like I've liked some of the 3D Marios, but like none of them have actually really grabbed me. Yeah. And I feel like this is the only one that I've just wholeheartedly just got sucked into like the way I do with other kinds of video games occasionally, but not so much with the newer Mario 3d games. But this one, I think the possession mechanic was just so good and so well thought out and deep. It, you know, had a lot of variety and such detailed, I mean, it wasn't super complicated tend to be like, you know, one or two moves or whatever, but I thought it was really clever the way they integrated it with the actual little characters you possessed. So I think that was really um, different from anything I'd played in a really long time. Cool. It just felt really fresh. Yeah. And for Mario to feel fresh feels sort of uh, really uh, special. Dustin, what what, what about it stood out to you? Well, it's a lot more um, exploratory than certainly any other 3d Mario game. Like it almost feels like a, a rare style in 64 collectathon, except with all of the bad parts of that, you know, cut out from the sides. Mm. It's like ukulele. If ukulele wasn't trash. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> absolutely fair. Honestly. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, God, I've lost my train of thought now. Well, I mean, <clears throat> so I, I loved the I loved Mario Odyssey. Um, I thought it was an underwhelming experience. At the end of it, once I hit credits, I was like, "That's it." And then there's a yeah. huge post game that opens up, 
Yeah. But you're just kind of going back to those same eight worlds. I haven't actually gotten to the post game. So I like yeah. beat it and then I was like, I oh yeah, there I know there's more, but Yeah, it just it seems so I slight. To it yet. Like I got to the end of the game, it seems super slight. I was like, what the fuck is with this Game of Thrones looking dragon? Why would you design <laughs> why would you put this like fucking pachinko machine dragon in this game? Like I don't understand the design on that. That looked like a it just it threw me. I was like, what that is this? That, whole game, that game's whole aesthetic though. It it is Super colorful, cartoony Mario interacting with uncomfortably real-looking things. Yeah, but the dragon really <laughs> struck me as like a Spencer's Gifts t-shirt dragon. Like it was not; it was an unimaginative design that looked like a knockoff Game of Thrones thing. Like I just, I was not into it. And the game seemed like it was over very quickly. And the post game is neat. And I, and look, they gave me that Mario sixty four suit, and I was extremely happy. Uh, but that was kind of it was nostalgia and like that game is kind of like a huge love letter to mario 64 like there's so much of it is a callback to mario 64 and like that's great because mario 64 is one of the best games ever made but i think mario 64 is like a little bit of a better game like there's a much wider variety in locations and like i personally would way rather have like 25 different locations and only like 10 moons in each location rather than these eight worlds and each of them has a hundred fucking moons in it and you spend all your time in this one location with this one kind of aesthetic like i just thought it wasn't as varied you know like there it ultimately in the end it felt like a really cool fun homage to mario 64 that like nevertheless I, I walked away from it feeling underwhelmed. Like, oh, this, like, it didn't feel like, like, even Mario 3D World, I was like, wow, this, like, I really, like, had a great time with that. And, like, Mario Galaxy and Mario Galaxy 2, and, like, maybe not Mario Sunshine, but, like, you know, it, it, Odyssey just, I don't know, it left me a little, it left me wanting too much more. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's why I wound up shunting it. Uh, surprisingly, I was surprised at my reaction to it, and I wound up shunting it down the list. That is, that's all fair. Um, I actually did go back and ended up 100%ing it in all the moons. Um, I do think it definitely drops off in the post game. I don't think there is anything revelatory in the post game. Um, the The thing that brought me back from that kind of after credits lull, though, is just in the like eight or so hours or whatever it takes to reach the credits in that game. It just doesn't feel like there is a single unfun, unpolished thing that happens in for like a second in that entire time. I think the poison Island was a, not a great level. The Poison Island where you have to get the inchworm. You know what I'm talking about. The inchworm. I actually found those guys to be so creepy, really fun. Well, they're kind of fun uh-huh. to control, but like the level that you're in and the stuff they want you to do with them, it's kind of frustrating. Like, yeah, and the, the, I just didn't like the look of the level or anything. Like, yeah, really, it, yeah. Is a, it was a little ugly. But I, I don't know. Like, I do agree that I feel like overall, really, even including that level for me, it was just like this experience of it's sort of like remind. I don't know, it reminded me of you know, the way you experience Mario when you're a kid, where it's just yeah. like, this is endlessly fun. This is just fun after fun after fun after fun. And I guess, like, you know, I'm a crabby old 
person now. So it's like, that never happens anymore. Yeah. Like, I think you guys are right and that I am wrong, but I can't, I can't help (laughs) my reaction. I I don't think you are wrong. Like I I said, I think the post game criticism, the fact that that game is over too soon is absolutely fair. It's just a matter of how much you think that affects the overall nature of that game. I think they need more boss fights and they needed more boss fights with more variety. Uh, like not just fighting those bunnies over and those weird bunnies over yeah, and over. That, and over. Those guys were ugly and bad. And I the don't brutals. Like uh, yeah. Yeah. That that's, it's Miyamoto kind of, I don't that's know what he's doing. To, yeah. <laughs> why? Just why? Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, like I, I would have liked more creative, like more like that Olmec head in the beginning, you know, more like that one. I, I think I would have liked more like that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, enough of my bitching about Mario Odyssey. It is a fantastic, like, it is a really good game, and I will keep going back to it and picking it up. And I play it like, oh, it's 20 minutes before I'm supposed to leave for the movie. Well, I could get some moons, you know, like, I'll do that yeah. sometimes. Uh, it feels like um, it learned a lot of lessons from Nintendo's other team building Zelda. If you- it's like a much more truncated version of that experience where instead of, you know, I see this cool looking thing like a million miles in the distance. Instead, it's like I see this cool looking thing like 10 feet in the other direction. And it's just like that exploratory kind of thing really scoped down in scale. And I think yeah. that's what kind of that's a good you know, point. keeps it here for me. That's a good point. Although I would, I, I think I would make the argument that, uh, like Breath of the Wild is a legitimate, like, uh, all time, you know, incredible thing. And this is just another excellent 3D Mario game, you know? Mm-hmm. Where, like, yeah, one of those is transcendent. This is the and, one I liked. Yeah, one of these is <laughs> transcendent. The other one is very good. <laughs> and I, right, like, that's the thing is I don't, I don't necessarily know that it is even, you know, it's just a matter of personal taste, whether or not that would have been Galaxy or this. I personally, this is the one I liked. Well, it is extremely gorgeous. Like, the, the, the visual, the aesthetic appeal of that game is undeniable. Uh, and the way Nintendo, does their 3d Mario games is so satisfying to look at. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> Mario Odyssey has incredible looking shit in it. Um, but yeah, so, uh, all right. My number four is Assassin's Creed origins. Uh, has anyone else touched this? I really want to, but I have not had the chance yet. All right. Here's my pitch. Here's my pitch on it. Because because when you say Assassin's Creed, what you get is an exhausted, ragged sigh. And it deserves it. Assassin's Creed deserves, deserves like, my favorite is Assassin's Creed. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) I guess we can hear about Assassin's Creed. Okay, so... I, I For a long time, I would say that Assassin's Creed Brotherhood was the best of these games. I don't know, like... What is the last Assassin's Creed you played, if you've, if any of them, Dustin? Uh, Syndicate, actually. So the most recent one. Did but you I take was a break to review that? I don't know if I otherwise would have. Okay, that that's that stands. Um, Dave, well, did you play? Have you played any of these? Oh God, I mean, I played Assassin's Creed Two. Okay, I right, that's the one everyone play played. Yeah, Two Brotherhood. Yes, yeah. Cree uh, Broho. And then I played like a couple hours of Black Flag, and I was like, no, for me. It's me too. Like, Ask Creed Broho is yep. the best one, was the best I, one. I now, will say that 
I was a huge Assassin's Creed fan until three happened. And okay. then Yeah, me too. I, yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Three was the big like, uh oh, what? Like that was the also they're making too many of these. And I'm bored with it now. Um Heidi, have you what's the last one you played? Okay. Okay. All right. Um, well, I just want to say this is easily the best Assassin's Creed game, period. It is better than all of the previous ones. In addition, not only is it a perfect distillation of the fun things in the previous games with all the bullshit taken out, all of it, seemingly, there's not a single leftover frustrating mechanic. They, they streamlined it real good. Um, it also has the most interesting setting, I think, in my opinion, the most interesting setting so far, uh, ancient Egypt, uh, right right as the Romans are about to start fucking everything up real bad. Um, so, like, Cleopatra's in this game, uh, but not, not it's not like a prominent role or anything, but she's in the game. Uh, it's fucking beautiful. Like, it is totally gorgeous. Now, I personally am very taken with desert imagery. I have a fun, I have an affinity for desert stuff, so this gets me on a certain level. It's a personal taste thing. But I just think it's more interesting than, say, mm-hmm. Victorian Industrial Revolution England or even the French Revolution or Pirates, which is Pirates is so played at this point. <laughs> uh, or even like that the boring American Revolution one. And like it's way more interesting than uh, Renaissance Italy. Uh, it's, it's more interesting than that. Or, uh, you know, Enlightenment Italy or whatever. Wherever the hell those Assassin's Creed 2 games are set. The Ezio games. Um, yeah, it's from Renaissance Italy. Yeah, it's... It's, it's way more interesting than any of those. It's more interesting to look at. The side quests are interesting because you're playing a cop, basically. You're playing a do-gooder. He's a, he's a medjai who wanders around the desert helping people, and they actually put some variety into the quests. There are no sneak behind a guy to hear the conversation. I have not <laughs> run into any... Like, you can like pull the guy out of the guard post station... You you still get that, but the game's systems have been so relaxed and refined that it's fun to do it now. Um, it's a really, really good, solid game, especially if you like open-world stuff. Uh, and I, I think a mix of the theme and the fact that I, I already liked Assassin's Creed but had fallen off after uh, Broho, which is really good abbreviation yeah. for that game by the way yeah. um <laughs> ask creeper ho that, yeah. I, that's not i don't know who came up with that, that was it's good probably collective unconscious <laughs> yes from the ether uh but it, it like if you yeah. if you haven't played one of these in a long time or you're even kind of interested in going back to it or you haven't played one since like two or whatever i when it's cheap and it will be because all these games hit like ten dollars at some point this one is totally worth your time, and it is, it's, like, easily one of the best games I've played this year. Like, I have spent a tremendous amount of time in that game just, like, hunting to upgrade my shit because it's fun and satisfying. And you can upgrade yourself to the point where you're just cutting through everything in the game with a butter knife. Like, it's, it makes itself easy <laughs> if you upgrade your stuff, and upgrading is fun. So it's that real good cycle. You know, you get that, that real good uh, feeling from, from, uh, from your progression. Um, that's exciting to hear i'm totally gonna yeah and if you have a nice tv too like it's a it's a beautiful game like just beautiful i will just sit there and gawp at it like (laughs) so cool and i like the main character the story's not like super fascinating but it does pick up to the point and you care about the main character he has a really good relationship with his totally kick-ass wife uh which by the way 
not enough video games have husband and wife in a mutually supportive, equal relationship, and that's the central like that's the Roman it's not like somebody you're falling in love with or anything like that yeah. like these are just two people supporting each other who love each other very much and like it's portrayed very well um so you care about them and uh the even like the little side quest because you're just helping people in the village and they usually give them a pretty compelling little story and it's just good it's really good it's excellent <laughs> so yeah number four good shit um all right so now we're on number three this time I'm going to start with Dustin. All right. My number three. Uh, speaking of open world games that are kind of formulaic, but also great and look really gorgeous. Uh, my number three is Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad I'm glad that this came up. Uh, tell us about Horizon. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is a game about robot, robot dinosaurs and the hunting thereof. <laughs> right. And then traipsing uh, around an open world and collecting pelts and stuff, right? Uh, robot pelts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Motherboards. So uh, I think they were marketing it as a post-post-apocalypse. Basically, the idea is society is ruined. Uh, these robot animals are left behind, and people have like picked up the pieces and... Uh, rebuilt like tribal societies throughout the world in uh, the wreckage of the old world. And I think the thing that really um, grabs me about this game is the degree to which that world building is really well executed uh, because it kind of works on multiple levels. Like as you go through the game, you're learning, you know, both more about the society as it, exists in the time of the game and the society from before the collapse, like our modern society reaching the spoiler filled events that happen to make all the robot dinosaurs occur. Um, and like both sides of discovering how that work are just really interesting along the way. Like it avoids, you know, the typical um, Mad Max fallout, apocalypse story where everybody's just super shitty to each other and out murdering all the time. Like mm -hmm. there are, you know, horrible dictator led kingdoms, but then also these much nicer societies who pick up things in a much more constructive way along the way. That's really interesting. You know, I've never heard, I have not heard. So I rented this game. I played it for like 45 minutes and was like, Hey, Zelda's out. Uh, and then, didn't yeah. touch it again so then it i suffers by that comparison because well, it is very much a standard open world game in comparison yeah. to zelda and so i bought a copy of it on black friday for 20 bucks because they were blowing them out uh, i think it's because the dlc came out and they want people to buy the game of the year edition when they put that out yeah. in a couple months um but i got a copy for 20 bucks and i was excited to get to it and then the zelda dlc came out <laughs> <laughs> and i was like hey zelda <laughs> <laughs> So I haven't touched it yet, but the way you're describing it now, that sounds very interesting. And I had not heard anyone talk about those elements of the story that you're really getting the whole story of what's happened to civilization and like different like scenarios of what humans could do in such a situation. Like that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. That's uh, the other side of that is that I don't think like 
the lore does a lot of the heavy lifting that the characters of the story are not able to do. Like there's interesting politics and political figures, but like there's only actually two or three characters in that game that it's really possible to care about. Well, yeah, but so long as they're in interesting sort of scenarios, you know, like they're encountering, yeah, there's, there's room, there's possibilities for thematic threads to come up. That's what I'm interested (laughs) in. And, like one of those very interesting characters is the main character, which is weirdly rare in a video game for mm. the main character in the open world story to be the interesting one. Uh, but she has kind of like a skeptical approach to all the uh, weird religions and mystical stuff that has kind of crept up in this new wave of um society that's built up and like she's just always kind of side-eyeing at everybody else's bullshit without you know without actually calling anybody out for their religion she's just like i think you're making some real weird justifications for what you're about to do here but uh i think that dynamic is really interesting in how they um build up the world of this game i was watching uh our pal Gerald from the anime world order podcast play some of it on a stream, I think over Thanksgiving weekend and some of that religion stuff came up in my, and I was like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything I see, like every time I see little clips of the story, I get intrigued. Like I want to know more. So yeah. I'm excited to, to like, play it on top of all that. It also plays very well. Like yeah. the, all the weird crafting stuff that you're sick of from, you know, every open world game that has come out in the past few years. I, I think this really boils that stuff down into a set of mechanics that work for how the combat is built. Like you're crafting new weapons and arrows and all that sort of stuff that, you know, again, sounds like every other open world game recently, but it all feeds back into that combat system in a meaningful way that always feels like you're making meaningful choices about how you're approaching uh, fighting all of these weird robot monsters and it just works very well. The one thing I I do want to, I forgot to mention this during talking about Assassin's Creed, but uh, Assassin's Creed did have one innovation in it that I want to see now in like every open world game where uh, this game gives you a falcon that, you know, it's the Assassin's Creed falcon, I guess. I don't know if there's like one or (laughs) they all have like it's one, like the Assassin's Creed falcon trademark. Um, But you hit the up, you hit up on the D-pad, and you're the Falcon, and you can do this anytime. And uh, what it does is give you gives you the full lay of the land, and everything on the mini map pops up, plus everything that you can hunt and every everything there is to see or do pops Batman up. Batman mode, yeah, yeah. But you're a, you're a fucking bird, and you can fly around and everything. Like you have full <laughs> flight. So in other words, this beautiful gigantic Egypt that they built, you can also explore as a Falcon. Um, cool. But the Falcon. Uh, it tells you everything in the area that that you can use from you know you can do it like a thousand miles away or not a thousand miles but like a, a thousand yards away or whatever you can see off in the distance so you tag a thing off in the distance with the bird and then zoom back down to your guy get on your horse and ride over there i really wish other open world games had a mechanic like that because for local exploring like if you're not just fast traveling everywhere it's kind of perfect like it, it really condenses. Like, here's what I need to do in this area. Here's everything I want to do in this area, and it, it's a really quick. Like they made it really snappy too. Um, so I was wondering if Horizon had anything 
kind of like that, like companions or something. N- not really, no. Not really. Um, I mean, well, you can hack robot dinosaurs and ride them around. Okay, well, that's good enough. <laughs> I was just say you don't get like a robot dog who's like the good robot dog. <laughs> Sadly, no. This isn't Revengeance. Damn, that's another game. Well, he was a really good robot dog, so maybe they <laughs> just true. decided not to come against the best. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, Horizon. Excellent. It's definitely on my list uh, to play. Um, Heidi, you're number three. Well, I mean, we've talked a lot about this already, but I'd put my number three as Yakuza Zero. All right. <laughs> well, do you, do you have anything to add to the Yakuza Zero conversation, or can we can we How call it there? All right. My my big thing, I friggin' love 1980s Japan, just as right. a time period and a setting. Mm-hmm. It is so unbelievably fascinating, just this country who is experiencing unprecedented economic growth. They're poised to be the kings of the world. Everything is happening. Money's flowing everywhere. People just have more cash than cents. And it makes a good setting for uh, a game based around, you know, Crime and, uh, and criminals. Yeah. Because he's got a lot of glitz and glamour and just, well, crazy shit going down. <laughs> but, That's a really good point. But I guess my big disappointment is that, uh, while there are quite a few callbacks to, like, uh, things that would happen during the 1980s, like there's a side quest where you have to uh, find this nerdy kid batteries for his shoulder phone, which is... Uh, a portable phone that you would basically carry in a ginormous handbag. And and there right. are other stuff like uh, the, the Sega arcades have Space Harrier and Outrun and Fantasy Zone and a lot of older stuff. But uh, I'm, I, I was disappointed that I didn't see a lot of like the, the sort of fashions and, uh, and logos and things that made 1980s Japan just so distinct. Everybody still looks like they just walked out of a modern hostess club or something. You don't see those yeah. those weird sweaters and hairdos and uh, aerobics outfits and whatnot like you see in uh, a lot of footage of the time. And for me, that's that's kind of disappointing. It's like, yeah, I get it. You're reusing a bunch of character models. but Yeah, I bet that's a compromise. Nobody, nobody in Japan had dyed hair in the 80s. <laughs> I bet that's, yeah, that's a, a good I, point. I mean, oops, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah, yeah, the Yakuza aesthetic or, like, time period does seem, like, uh, I don't know, Archer-like. It's just, like, it's always some neb... Or the the style of the Yakuza is always sort of nebulous. Like, it could be 80s, could be 90s, could be the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, Heidi, you're absolutely right that the character, the way the characters look, the way they dress the characters, and just sort of reusing character assets from other games kind of diminishes the 80s-ness. Yeah. Uh, but it feels like this, well, these games are not, like, they don't have gigantic budgets, and like, they don't, you know, so I would imagine that was just a compromise. Yeah, probably, but it, it also plays extremely, extremely well. The beat-em-up combat is... The best it's ever been, getting into battles, you no longer have dialogue and long loading before it happens. It's just like, boom, guy's trying to throw a punch at me. Let's uh, let's get into uh, fight and bust some heads. Yeehaw! Well, that's over. Collect my money. Woo! On to the next fight. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. We never talked about the video game part of that video game, did we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
and everybody has three different, uh, well, everybody. The two characters have three different fighting styles, and you can switch between them really seamlessly. And every style is distinctly different and has its own advantages and disadvantages. And there are some fights where you'd want to use one style over the other. And just knowing how to fight well makes the game feel really, really good. It's like... Man, remember remember the promise the fighting in Shenmue had? The fighting in <laughs> Shenmue was complete trash? Yeah, that's... Uh, Yakuza 0 actually delivers on that promise. The fighting is super good and super fun and super satisfying. Yeah. It's great and I love it. Cool. Yeah. It did seem pretty good. Yes. Uh, okay. All right. Yakuza 0 shows up again. So, Dave, you're number three. Uh, so my number three is Divinity Colon Original <laughs> Sin 2. Oh, the sequel. Uh, uh, which it can be briefly summed up as, what if you could play Fallout 2 with your friend? Because uh, it's like <laughs> a very traditional computer RPG with co-op. I think for the second game, like up to four-player co-op, which seems like it would get way too hectic and stupid because even with two players... Both players are like sort of active controllers of the plot. So anybody <laughs> can just run around talking to anyone. And then you're on the other side of the room like, wait, what? what Having you say four to that different guy? conversations <laughs> um, at the same time. But like, so the first Divinity is a very good game. And it sort of made its bones with this like really great tactical combat in the Fallout mode where it's turn based and you've got AP uh, that you use for moving and fighting or moving and attacking. Uh, but it throws in the, the major wrinkle is that there are a ton of environmental effects that all interplay with one another. So if you like shoot a zombie with a piercing weapon, like an arrow, uh, they bleed poisoned blood onto the ground. And then if you hit that poison blood with a fireball poison explodes. So it just blows up the zombie and everything around it. And there's like a lot of super fun things you can do with that. Like, if a guy's been stabbed and his blood's on the ground, you can throw a lightning bolt at it and it acts like water and the whole like puddle of blood gets electrocuted and then everybody in there is stunned. So it's like a really great example of this like sort of um, small scale tactical combat, uh, like almost solely revolving around status effects and CC uh, crowd control. So like you spend most of your time figuring out like all right how are we going to disable as many enemies as possible in this turn so they can just do nothing while our like one or two good damage dealers just run all over them hmm. um uh, you know of course i played it with grots uh and like this sort of that aspect of the game is so satisfying that hmm. like i sort of never built my mage character out to deal any actual damage which became like a little hobbling in the end game, but there's like sort of so many fun things you can do with like one of the first spells they give you is this teleport, which like at first you're just like, I don't really get it. Like, I guess it's cool that I can move this melee enemy back. So he has to waste a bunch of time moving towards me. Uh, but like, as you progress through the game, you're like, Oh, what we can actually do is stand just slightly out of sight mm. of these enemies. <clears throat> and like, before they initiate combat, like teleport a bunch of oil barrels around them or like drop an ooze barrel on their head. So like the boss starts with half health and it's poisoned. And yeah. it's like, you know, just that sort of like infinitely breakable game 
Um, but the, yeah, there are the, so many things you can do in every scenario, and they're all super varied, but they all feel satisfying. It's a really sort of remarkable thing that they've balanced. Did you play the first and one? It, and it's also really, or, I mean, it's not balanced. Yeah, it's so kind it's, of like crazy uh, broken. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it's so fun. The first one was really notable because um, it was very much this like old school. Like there were n- very few waypoint markers or stuff like that. Like the game starts you out. You have to solve a murder mystery. Uh, it tells you where to go. And then you kind of it's up to you to figure it out from there. Like there isn't like a giant bouncing arrow on the murder suspect to go talk to them. And that ethos sort of persists through the entire game. And like I found that really refreshing in the era we live in now. Like I sort of wouldn't want every game to be that. But it it feels like a reprieve just from like corridor shooters and stuff like that mm. to actually have to like, you know, dig your nose in a little and like read the books that are on the ground instead of like clicking on them and then immediately yeah. closing them so you get the achievement or and like the clues aren't always going to be yeah. super obvious but it is just a weird thing that for some reason works in this game i don't really know why but it and when you feel stuck you feel like it's actually that you just haven't been thorough enough rather yeah. than feeling like you know it's frustrating and they want you to pixel hunt it's not it's not quite that feeling it's just that it's like well there's something here that i just missed yeah, and sometimes being thorough enough is like robbing the mortician so yeah. you can look at you his sometimes ledger have to, get to clever. see who stole the body. Uh, but the the problem with the first game was that the writing was unbearable and there was so much of it. Mm. Uh, it's all voiced and it's all voiced in like the most annoying accents possible. <laughs> uh, and like sort of the world building is just this like incredibly generic fantasy slash fairy tale thing where like uh, the like seven dwarves rumple stiltskin style fairy tale um just not handled particularly adeptly just sort of feel you just feel like you're being punished with like every time dialogue comes up uh like one of the first characters you get has this like inexplicable southern accent and she's like all right Tom <laughs> Ray, really we got him i mean i guess more like a cowboy accent well, like we got a mosey on down the road and it's like surrounded by these people who are all talking this like very like the most generic idea of what a british accent is um so What's so great about the second game is that it's all gone, <laughs> like to the degree that it's almost unimaginable, like the, the paradigm shift between these two games. Because what you have now, instead of playing these like two generic characters in this incredibly generic uh, and painfully voice acted fantasy world, uh, now you're in this like super it's it's the same world, but now it's super weird. Uh, and so, for example, like one of the playable races is elves, except these elves eat bodies to gain people's memories <laughs> so like w- there's a lot of quests that you start investigating by eating somebody's hand and then like <laughs> sort of figuring out where to go <laughs> like one of the playable characters is a skeleton who has to wear a mask because otherwise like people would be super scared of him um and like all- add on top of that is like still this super in-depth tactical combat and this this sort of like classless system where you're just allocating points instead of choosing a role. So there's like a lot of breath and like, I want to swing a big ax, but also I want to summon a zombie once in a while or something like that. Um, So they've like kept the core 
of what made the game really fun and like actually inserted like not just like the weirdness of like being able to play a skeleton lizard man if you want it <laughs> but also just like having a plot that actually has like any modicum of interesting content to it because like the first game like it was just it was so pretty generic but getting through I didn't it mind and being it. like we have to find out who mur- murdered counselor jake it's like your first quest and like it doesn't get any quest. more unique from there it doesn't and, but it's, it's uh, the mystery is not bad yeah i mean that's the thing it's like the the plot beats are good but like having to listen to the characters talk was endlessly painful so like in this one they're putting you in much more unique situations you sort of start out you're like uh, in the first game, you were source hunters, and you were hunting sorcerers, which are different than sorcerers. Yes, it's <laughs> an S O U source, and the people who use it are sorcerers with a U. Um, so, in this one, they're they're like, oh, now you're the sorcerer, and you're going to like a prison island, and now you have to like sort of navigate this prison island. So, you know, it's like a really nice setup, and like completely improves on the lacking parts of the game while maintaining that like super weird just like completely breakable combat that made the first one fun where like I just really like games where they give you such a breadth of possibilities that like more often than you're not I'm like you're like I wonder if this would work and it like so often does like just sort of the stuff you can do manipulating the environment and like you know in a lot of cases just doing really weird things like if there's a locked chest on the ground you can just pick it up and like carry it around until you get enough lock picking skill or sort of stuff like that or like using barrels to like hold down pressure plates and just sort of like weird dungeon adventure stuff that like modern western rpgs have just completely lost as they've like moved into more like the mass effect dragon age mold so like it's just it's really nice to see a game like this. I mean, it's not too different from The Witcher. Like, The Witcher is obviously, like, a much more polished, higher-budget game. Uh, this has, like, much more of the clunkiness that I really loved out of, like, interplay games of the, like, late 90s. Um, mm. And yeah, like it, it, like it's, this revival. That, that's what I kept thinking is, like, well, Baldur's Gate. <laughs> like have yeah, I, no, exactly. You know, well, it's the last one of those I played. I think it was Baldur's Gate two. Back in the day, it's been a long time. Yeah, well, there's just been this revival with like Path of Exile and stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, but I, for whatever reason, like those. I mean, so also like the Torment remake came out this year, which no one seemed uh, to care about. It's really good. Uh, or it re- it's it's got that really weird stuff that makes Torment really good, mm. but it's ugly as sin. Like all these games are made in Unity, and like they just look like garbage. Like really? the, they're just like art assets, like piled on top of each other. There's like no uh, contiguousness or like consistency to the environment. It just looks like you know clip art or something. It just looks like junk, and it's like not really even like down to the skills of the artist. It's just like like the engine just makes everything look ugly and like the, everything's super low detailed. Um, so like, I really like torment for the writing, but like those <laughs> games just like, they feel like they're missing something in sort of the mechanical and just like aesthetic department. And uh, divinity like offers a lot more of that and sort of scales up to what you figured these like 640 by 480 games 
look like with your rose tinted glasses, like the fallouts of yesteryear. Like you're like, yeah, that's probably how Fallout looked. Not thinking about the fact that like it's stamped inside like what today would be like the worst Twitch UI of all time. <laughs> Is the co op you think makes all the difference? Like sure. it's just they're like eighty hundred hour games. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. You could certainly like they're stop really playing on. them at some point and just be like, you know what, I'm sated. But like for me, like I would not have finished this game if I didn't play it with Grotz. Oh, okay then. Like huh. it's just, and it's like you know, it's a tactical game. It's just like there aren't that many of those that are co-op, but it's just so fun to have a turn-based game where you can just sort of sit there and plot things out with another person, and like you've each brought two of your characters with like fairly unique and distinct skill sets to the battle. And you're like, well, I can do this and you can do this. Like, you know, it's a lot of plotting that I feel like you don't get in a lot of co-op video games these days. It's mostly like you take the submachine gun, I'll take the shotgun and that sort of thing. Right. Right. All right. Well, that, that sounds fascinating. Um, so your number three was divinity original, original sin two. Is that what it's called? They're calling it Original Sin 2. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, from the makers of Divinity, Divine Divinity. Wait, for real? That's their actual... That's one of the... So they're just having fun with that. Uh, They're just like, fuck it. They're just leaning way into that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Graziella, what's your number three? My number three, I guess, is uh, Night in the Woods. Hey, that's my number three. Oh, it is? Yes. Great. It's so good. I love it. It's so good. (laughs) It's so perfect. Name a game with better writing. You can't. Yeah. No, I can't. I honestly can't. And that's so funny because I remember seeing you. You were just like, oh, maybe I'm kind of like burnt out on it or it's not really capturing it towards the end or in the middle or something. Um, Or maybe I dreamt that. I don't know. (laughs) No, uh, there are segments in that game. I think there's too many of the things where you travel to the corners to highlight the band players. And then the dreams, the dreams go on for too long. And I thought at the end, I thought at the end, if he wanted to comment on, uh, rust belt, political, uh, you know, the changes in Rust Belt America, the political changes in Rust Belt America, mm-hmm. it needed to be more. It needed to be fleshed out more. It needed to be woven through the rest of the game more. Oh, that's interesting. I That's what I thought. Um, the very, very end, because it felt like it was a much more personal story until the very end when suddenly it is about something else. And that's fine. And I'm, I appreciated the commentary that it had and all of that. And, and I liked that stuff, but it felt a little like a jarring change. And I am hoping that literally today while we're taping this, the uh, sort of director's cut of the game has come out. And uh, I'm curious to oh, see, I'm curious to yeah. see if they expanded anything at about oh, the ending they were coming out with that. Yeah. yeah. I I'd definitely replay it for sure. But that aside, those are just my minor criticisms of a game that I felt so seen during the entire thing. Like it is so fucking real. And like the, it, it is like they reach right into your fucking soul. And it, it is it, it, the way that those characters talk to each other is just life. Like it is just, I, I have people like Greg in my life. Like, and if you have people like Greg, yeah. the Fox in that game in your <laughs> life, you will recognize it fucking immediately. And it'll almost be too much to take. Like it's almost too yeah. real. 
and every character in that game feels completely fleshed out, completely real. They're given three, four-dimensional personalities, and the dialogue is fucking spectacular. Uh, yep. The stuff that you do in it, like you go to the mall and shoplift from a Hot Topic, that's fucking amazing. That's amazing <laughs> that that's in a video game. Uh, I was just blown away by Night in the Woods. Like, I really had to sit here and think about it. Like, do I want to just say fucking and put this at number one? But no, I, I can't do that. Um, so, like, but it, it, yeah, I, that, if you haven't played that game, it's just an adventure game with, uh, like, some extremely minor platforming elements. You're mostly just wandering around talking to people and moving the story forward. Um, yeah. And it's, it, it, like I said, the director's cut version is out now and it, it has been going on sale for like 15 bucks lately, which is a steal in my opinion. Um, you should absolutely. I think anyone who even has a slight tolerance for adventure games or independent film or any of that shit, if you like yeah. good stories about real people, you should play this, I think. Yeah. Uh, but. Or- if you're interested in socialism. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, yes. Well, it, it's interesting that you said that because I actually do feel like or that you said that you felt like it was this jarring transition because I don't know if it is that I'm just always looking for those themes <laughs> or sort of like that. But I, you know, I went thinking about the game and while I was playing it, I feel like from the beginning, from this you're 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 you arrive at this town and like the immediately like the infrastructure that you encounter is completely fucked yes and, and you feel yeah. sort of like so there's and this there's this idea of the train and like the train is like completely kind of fucked but apparently it still sort of works it's just everything is in this state of decay and i actually feel like they did uh this was a game that actually did bring up these like huge important social themes of you know, alienation and the immiseration of working class families and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that cor- corresponding decay in these communities uh, that that comes along. And then it piled that and sort of like had that personal stuff along with it. For me, I don't know. They they feel like they were walking hand in hand, you well, know, just yeah. sort of like the, yeah. the money problems and the idea that this town was full of these people who used to have jobs and now they don't. Um, and sort of like the infrastructure is literally falling apart and they're, you know, it's harder to find work. So for me, it really felt like it was building towards that. And then she, like one of the characters actually is like, I joined my local DSA and I think I like screamed. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, no, that's, uh, that's what I said. It's fucking real. But like the, the stuff that you're talking about was, I thought beautifully woven in for the first two thirds of the game. Actually, the first, I would say the first, I would say 80%, maybe 85%. Yeah. It's the where it goes in the end that I thought was too much, too fast, too heightened for the situation that we were in. Okay. So, like, they and started being too sort of, like... It's too, like, the... Constant about it, it, or- it seemed obvious to me that they didn't really know what kind of a confrontation would happen at the end of this, but that there mm-hmm. needed to be a confrontation and some action. And that's what it felt like to me, rather than mm-hmm. an elegant sort of resting place for their themes. There's literally just like a, one of the characters just gives you a speech in like a minute yeah. that is just like, <laughs> here's everything we're here's everything we're doing. And you're like, oh, uh, I feel like this could have been woven yeah. a little bit more. And, and there, some of those elements, I think, are jarring and not in like a good way. They're jarring in like a why is this where this game is going kind of way. Um but those are my I, again. I want to stress those are very minor things, and 
I'm, again, I'm really looking forward to the director's cut because maybe some of that, some of, some of my minor quibbles will be addressed. But I think it's a masterpiece, yeah. and I cannot fucking wait to see what that guy writes next. Yeah, he's a really good writer, I mean, and just yeah, the way they, the way he handled the personal stuff and depression and mental yeah. illness stuff and family stuff it was just really tender but again yes it real is a good way to describe it it feels really you know raw and painful but also it, it just shaped in a way that's really masterful yeah the only one sure. yeah one of the th- the one thing that did get me though was uh so this is a game about a cat who comes home from college basically yeah. drops out and comes home uh in the middle of the semester um and uh, her parents are like, what are you doing here? And she's yeah, just like, I just needed to come home. And days pass before they confront her. Why are you home? Why are yeah. you here? Days and days pass. Like, they're the most patient fucking parents. And the relationship that she seems to have with them, it seems to kind of back it up. But I kept waiting for one of them to just say, like, yo, what's happening? You, yeah. you, we are paying for college. You just came home in the middle of the semester. You're missing class right now. What is happening with you? And they don't do that for too long. But I realize they have to in order for the story to go where it needs to go. But for a game with that much verisimilitude, like that much mm-hmm. uh, uh, congruousness with reality, it, 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 I guess maybe like when you're relating to something that much, the stuff that you can't relate to or doesn't seem as real as the rest right. of it stands out a little bit more. So you focus on that a little bit more, I guess. But Literally, those are the only things. The rest of it was just like, Jesus, this is good. Yeah, I, I fucking love Nine in the Woods. I'm glad somebody else had it on their list. Yay. We can move on to number twos. Dave, what's your number two? Ghosts of Miami. I've never heard of this. So it's oh. it's uh, produced by people who, uh, like, I guess the company. <laughs> I, we know these people, so it's, like, weird for me to say the company, but uh, who published we know the devil and mm. are doing the upcoming game from those same people okay uh, but it's like a visual mine. novel kind of phoenix righty thing you're a private eye so there's no courtrooms but you're like solving cases mm. uh in 80s miami um in sort of like uh you're like a peppy kind of anime girl <laughs> or but like you know with big 80s hair Mm. Uh, going around like interviewing about missing people and stuff, and it's a, not, like, a very like uh, if if a girl in Miami, yeah, if the anime were about a girl in Miami, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but not like Japan's idea of what Americans look like. Yeah, like, nobody's wearing like a Star Spangled Bikini in this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like a really small scale game. It's only a few hours long. Um, where you like. It's a visual novel with like very light adventure elements of like I'm going to go here, uh, interview these witnesses. You have a very slightly limited amount of time, so you can't do everything in a day. And then at the end of each case, it does my favorite thing in video games, which not enough video games do, which is ask you a multiple choice quiz <laughs> to see if you were paying attention. Decide from that if you actually get to solve the crime. Uh, but like what I really love about it is it's like this super vibrant looking game. Like the, it's got this super eighties, like pastel color palette, uh, and just like a really astonishing soundtrack for a game of like this size and quote unquote budget. Like it's just got like a, a really like thematically appropriate, like 
lots of like super heavy bass lines and kind of like weird futuristic techno wines, uh, stuff you would associate with the eighties and like, just, it's like a nice light experience. I feel like it's probably not even five hours long. Uh, and if that's just, uh, it's nice that now that visual novels are like super, super popular, at least among their niche, uh, you're getting one that are smaller, I guess. Yeah. Like there's sufficient now that you have a much better chance of playing ones that are just a couple hours long and thus don't suffer from like the visual novels greatest crime, which is just like total bloat. Yeah. Uh, so like, it's nice to have this thing where like, you're kind of getting the Phoenix Wright vibes of like going around and solving cases, but you know, you're in and out in an afternoon if you really want to, you know, take a long afternoon with it versus like feeling like, Oh, if I want to play one of these games, I better have 35 hours set aside to click through text. Yeah. Um, I mean, so that's about it. It's a tiny game. It, like, it doesn't need a lot of summation, but um, it's that like sounds a really awesome. nice package. That sounds yeah, fucking right. It has the music. And it's like sort of an underserved, not time period, but like in characters, Cuban. Um, and like it, it, it is centered around uh, cultural sort or subcultures, like uh, na- cultural, I guess you would say like cultural neighborhoods or something that aren't really at the forefront of these sort of things. And I, and I believe it was written with that idea in mind of like, Oh, you know how like in law and order, like the only people of color you see are usually the dead bodies or like the one black cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, it's sort of like was focused on like bringing some of that cultural sensibility to the, to the forefront instead of just having it be like kind of window dressing and having the plot revolve around this character um, who is like a Cuban immigrant herself, uh, but came over as a child with her father. And then of course her, her father is, is or estranged or, or dead or who knows, but like, you know, sort of usual trappings for the genre, but with, but with characters you don't often see. Uh, and as it is a visual novel, there is a dating element. Uh, and as is a visual novel that I enjoyed, uh, there's like sort of this like one of the subplots involves like uh, hanging around in this like I guess you like a burlesque, uh, and like one of the characters is that sort of very anime style, like the girl from um, like Monthly Girls Nozaki Kun. I don't remember her name, but like the prince of the school. So like the, that's what you get like a lot of that anime vibe from like these character archetypes that are then transposed onto these. Like American Different things. Care, it's, yeah. it's just like a nice cool. melange of those sort of sensibilities. Um, and it's just got like a super cute art style, like uh, very visual novel in that sense of like the person at the mini mart is wearing like an apron that says tiny mart with like a picture of a newly hatched chick, like a cartoon chicken, mm-hmm. uh, like that sort of thing where you're like, man, Good I wish I could buy that t-shirt <laughs> whatever. Um, Sounds an awful lot like a Puyo Puyo shirt to me. Yeah, sure. A Pio Pio shirt. Sorry. (laughs) I I feel like if you need to be sold on this game or you feel like you could be sold on this game, if you just like Google image search it, you'll see like the aesthetic really pop. Yeah, I just typed it into Steam and boy, that game's got a look. What's uh, how's the music? I mean, yeah, like I I said, like I love it. Um, It's nothing like that, like you know, I, I can sort of 
pick remember a baseline or two, but yeah, like the because uh, that's because I feel like if you're gonna set a game, if you're gonna pick that aesthetic and then set a game in '80s Miami, your music yeah. should probably be fucking awesome. I mean, I really liked it, uh, and like I said, there's like a lot of this sort of like early techno, kind of really like super whiny, like almost that like nasally high pitched techno, like that you maybe associate with like parts of Terminator and stuff like that. Um, it felt completely appropriate to me. And like, it's kind of really like bopping for a visual novel. <laughs> like it really has you doing that double tap on the space bar to like fill out the text box and then click to the next one to the rhythm. Mm. Yeah. Cool. That sounds awesome. I think I'm going to look it up. Uh, okay. We're on number twos. So Heidi, what's your number two? Uh, my number two would be Mario Odyssey. Cool. Well, what? Tell us, tell us your experience with Mario Odyssey. Well, okay. Um, geez, I feel really disappointed that they're. Uh, well, I go on about uh, AAA games a lot. How I don't like the way tr- they're made, and how I think they're hurting the industry as a whole by sucking up a lot of resources and churning through through talent and all companies bet the farm on these things that may or may not succeed but one thing they, they've also done is have a certain game type you associate with AAA and that's like the big bombastic M-rated action game and it's kind of pushed out a lot of these really nice, imaginative, colorful world, you know, for, for lack of a better term, mascot platformers. I really like the, the colorful worlds of, of games like Mario and Sonic and stuff like that. You just don't see it a lot anymore. And you especially don't see those sorts of games with a big triple a like budget but that's that's kind of what mario odyssey is like what if we took mario we gave the game this ginormous budget and scope but kept like all the imagination all the color all the just weird charm and goofiness that makes mario so endearing you know 30 years after his debut and that to me is it's a bit hard to put in the words, but that that imaginative spirit, that that color, that just that, that life Mario Odyssey embodies just really makes me happy. <laughs> I think that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah, and it's weird because you know I can I can play a big I can play a game like Yakuza where you know you meet a thug and you curb stomp the living shit out of him. That's cool, but. I want some color. I want some imagination. I want some weird cartoony characters bopping along and uh, happy music playing from time to time, you know? Yeah, right. You just don't have a lot of that unless you're Nintendo, where that's basically your bread and butter. Right. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It does feel like we got a lot of those, not a lot of them, but more of them this year than we've gotten recently. You know, with yeah, ukulele that's, that's and like that, like snake. What was that snake game? Snake Pass. Yeah, it was kind of that yeah. look, right? It had that same look. 
yeah, definitely, though. It wasn't a platformer, but... It wasn't yeah. no Mario. It yeah. was no Mario, <laughs> No, of course not. But, like, <laughs> no, you know, neither was ukulele or... Uh, isn't there another one like a hat in time? Isn't that another one of those games? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So those are coming back, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right that Mario Odyssey is, uh, from a, kind of from another time a little bit. Um, cool. I, I miss these. I miss, you know, big, imaginative, high budget games that you, that, you know, you can play with, uh, your kid brother. Yeah, I just hope that they never they never just decide to like, you know what? We're going to resurrect the shambling corpse of Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> uh, I hope that never comes yeah. back. <laughs> I, I mean, that was ukulele and that was that was a pretty bad outcome for that resurrection. Yeah, so, so maybe they won't. Maybe they'll just be like, but I mean specifically Banjo Kazooie. Specifically I, those characters, specifically those voices. Like I don't ever Until want ukulele happened, I really would have wanted a Banjo <laughs> revival, though. <laughs> you and I are on opposite sides of a war, my friend. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> uh, draw the line. Yeah, got to draw the line somewhere. Um, all right, so uh, Dustin, your number two. Uh, my number two is Metroid Samus Returns. Really? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know, it is a remake of Metroid 2, the Game Boy game, uh, which has you delving into the Metroid homeworld and hunting down, murdering, genociding the entire Metroid species. Um, and like it's very much that formula of you're in the alien world, you got to find new abilities. It's the whole Metroid thing right down to a T. Um, but... I think again, seeing something, seeing Metroid at a decent budget again, like not just replaying Super Metroid or playing the the fan remake of two. I think seeing a real honest effort at a Metroid game again is just so nice at this point because it's been gone for so long. Um, How did you feel about the controversial uh, combat mechanic that they added? I actually really did enjoy it. Yeah. Um, the the thing that they add, the the major thing is a counter system where you have to kind of uh, set up, stand back, wait for an enemy to attack, then bat them away to actually do major damage to them. And I think that adds a lot of more interesting engagement to the early parts of the game uh, where, like, in a lot of cases in Metroid, you're either, you know, running past enemies or firing three or four shots at them and they're gone. And I think this adds a lot more interest to the early parts of the game. And then by the time that would become tiring, you have enough tools to switch to a limited ammo weapon to just blast away enemies that you feel super powerful by the time you don't have to use the counter system on basic enemies anymore. And it has a, just like a really nice power progression along that end where like, as in the Metroid games, when you get the screw attack, you feel like just a whirling ball of death, breaking down all those walls you couldn't get past before and just annihilating all the enemies that were causing trouble before. And it, it's just a, such a nice tight, 
take on that formula. Ah, I like it. All right, it's awesome. Okay, I think you've I think you've sold me because like I just finished talking about how much I love Metroidvania and like I'll play every single one of them, but like I really didn't want to play a 3DS game. Like I just don't yeah. want to play a game at 250 pixels wide. Like I just <laughs> don't. That's too old at this, and I love old games, but like at this point, I would want to emulate that so I can play it in a higher resolution. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I cannot handle those graphics. But if you're saying it's totally worth it, I don't know. It sounds so good. It, it I just really want to play a Mercury theme game. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair criticism. Yeah, right. With, but I think they entirely like knock that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not disputing you because it just seems like that's like everybody was at least reasonably positive on this game. I didn't hear a lot of bad press. Yeah, but I, I, Castlevania game was so bad. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Yes, it was. It was fucking horrible. And like, then when they said like we're making a Metroid game, I'm like, that's gonna be terrible. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, why? Who keeps letting them do this? (laughs) Well, I'd imagine that if Nintendo is involved, that they're holding a whip and sometimes saying no. Yeah. I I think they probably have a little more oversight than Konami. Yeah. I think there was like a similar deal with the um, Luigi's Mansion 3DS game where it was like a, a weirdly obscure Western developer of like roughly the same caliber of Mercury Steam. Mm-hmm. And that turned out fine. Oh, next level, though. They've, they've made some really good stuff. They did the Wii Punch-Out as well, which was... Oh, yeah, nice. that's right. And I think... Jeez, they were doing something else with Nintendo, but it escapes me at the moment. But uh, if I may butt in, I uh, I actually wrote up a bit for my personal website, Gaming.Moe, about Metroid Samus Returns, because I was uh, not quite as enthusiastic as you are. It, I did not hate the game, but there are some parts of that game that make me extremely angry. Somebody was telling me, not telling me. Somebody was commenting. Where did I hear this? It was on a, another podcast, I think. They were talking about how uh, towards the end of the game, it drags out really long, like a really like well, it drags and drags. The, there's a part in the middle that really drags too. But my big thing is some of the boss fights are so bad. <laughs> like there's one boss towards the end. That, is it the robot boss? Yes. Yes. Oh that, my that boss god! Is not good. That is terrible. Ugh. Hate that fight. Hate Maybe it so I, much. I was I was about to say like oh, I'll just wait for a price drop, but uh it's a Nintendo game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, well so mixed mixed on that one then. <laughs> Interesting. Some dissenting opinions. Yeah, but it I'm glad that it, number two, that's uh that's impressive. Yeah. I I really liked it. Uh right. some awesome. questionable boss fights notwithstanding. I think it's just Again, a great take on that formula. Oh, the other thing I want to say about that game is the um, the scan system that they add. Where you've got a yeah, that, uh, that is super good. I love that. Yes, great so you've, to the game. You've got like a limited resource of like I think it's called Aeon Energy um, that you can use to power various uh, sub weapons and abilities, and one of them is a scan thing that just kind of pings the environment and highlights blocks that you can break. And like that completely gets rid of the old frustrating Metroid thing of 
bombing every corner in the hopes that maybe there's a missile take here somewhere, but it doesn't go all the way where it feels like suddenly you've automated out like all the actual exploration and discovery of this game. It's just like this perfect compromise between like that old school style of exploration with just not frustrating the player with, you know, trying to figure out all these obscure secrets along the way. I agree. That is hands down the best addition to the game and possibly to the series for quite some time. Yeah. Awesome. I think I should give it a try. Anyway. Um, okay. Garthiel, you're number two. Uh, this is where I put Persona 5. Oh, shit. Okay. Ooh. I finished Persona like three nights ago at 3 a.m. So. <laughs> Isn't that how everybody finishes Persona? Yeah, that's... Yeah. You're like, how much could really be left in this game? There's okay. another damn dungeon at the end of this scene. <laughs> I know. I, mean, like, I feel like that story. happened to us. Like we yeah. were like, we must be beating it tonight, right? And then two AM rolls around, and we we're like, "There's a whole other dungeon." <laughs> well, so okay, so tell tell us about Persona Five. Well, uh, Persona Five is the fifth Persona game. All right. And well, moving on. Per- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were two Persona Two. So. No, I don't. Know. So I don't know. I mean, look, Persona. I feel like Persona, in a lot of ways, at least visually, sort of as a video game, mechanically, the way these systems interplay, everything, Persona really came into, or sort of like reached another level with this with this game. It's just so visually stunning, and the way it integrates, again, the UI with the with the gameplay and different sort of like systems operating in the background that you can kind of keep an eye on or, I mean, yeah. So it, it just, it really feels like an achievement in video games, honestly. Um, just because what makes video games so different is it's, you know, it's this game you're playing on this, whatever device and sort of like for me having such a good, or just pleasurable sort of like melding of the sort of structural elements and uh, the way they interact with the story. It's just, it's exciting to see that. It's exciting to see innovation in that area. Um, And then on top of that, it's just like this gorgeously made um, uh, game that, the story is, uh, you know, it's a decent, it's a decent story. It's kind of cool. Like the characters you're running with are a little less, are a little more um, edgy, I guess, than your normal <laughs> persona protagonists. And then, as we've come to find out, if you if you speak to somebody who's been following the news in Japan in the past, I don't know, five or ten years maybe, I guess, is when the time frame. Apparently a lot of the cases are sort of ripped from the headlines about, like, corruption or, you know, personal, uh, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, either corruption or just misuse of power, that kind of stuff. Um, It felt super real over here having zero familiarity with the Japanese political situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Ugh. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it does feel like it. It 
it did. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very good. It's a very good game. So why is it number two? For me, it really it really was um, that Zelda. I mean, I feel like it's not number one because Zelda isn't my number one, and Zelda just sort of won my heart in this way that was just complete and. Persona just had to take a take a back seat. <laughs> had to s- step back, Persona. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, I, I had that same conversation with myself, uh, but <laughs> but my number two is Zelda. So you you swap those out. Hmm. Yeah, uh, which is kind of and, it's, and it, as I sit here saying that, I'm like, that's bullshit, Zach. <laughs> Le- Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild is like a million hour game that you played through once, and now you're just playing through it again in the yeah, same year, less than six months after you finished it. And you bought a you bought a you played it on one console, then you bought a sec you bought you played it on one console, bought the DLC uh-huh. for that console, then bought a second <laughs> console, the game again, and the DLC again, and then you bought a special controller because you're like, if I'm going to play through Zelda again, I should have a fancy controller to play it with. <laughs> that is how much I loved Breath of the Wild, but it's my number two. Um, wow. That game, uh, we'll t- let's talk about Zelda uh, a little later, but Zelda is, yeah. is my number two. Um, yeah. Moving on to our number ones, the game, technically the game of the year for, for whoever is, is espousing on this one. Um, and uh, Heidi, what was your game of the year? It's near. It's near. That's mine too. Yeah. <laughs> I went with so, near as well. So Zach, uh, remember, I think a while back for my personal website, gaming.moe, uh, I had this idea that didn't really pan out that was like a gaming book Club. Yes. So I enlisted you and some other. I do. I have play. tremendous guilt over this. We were gonna play the original Near, and uh, you know, it was you and Gerald from Anime World Order, and Gerald really liked the game, and you just could not get into it. Yeah. No. I well, I really appreciated what the game was doing, and really was intrigued by the background and the story. But for that show, I had to finish the game and like play through yeah. it myself. And I feel as though I'm not alone in suggesting that perhaps playing the original Nier is not a great experience. I watched yeah, it on YouTube. It's, uh, it's got some issues with gameplay. <laughs> yeah, so I watched I watched the original Nier on YouTube after your recommendation. And, and again, I owe you such an apology for never finishing it and never getting around to that. But, but um, I carry that guilt with me. I think about it every time. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but Those but feelings yeah. of guilt really carried you for the new near, didn't they? Uh, well, every I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna get it. I just started Zelda, uh, and so I waited a few weeks until I was done with Zelda, and then I bought Near, and then Near just fucking rocked me like it did so many, like it did to so many this year, and rightfully so. Near just fucking blew my sad little mind. Like it was so good, start to finish. I just yeah, um, but yes, I do. I do remember that, as you were saying. Yeah, it's like uh, up until this point, Yoko Taro has been a game director who has made really, really interesting games. The problem is, you have to actually play through the games to get through to all the interesting stuff, and the games themselves, uh, they kind of got some some problems. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the people who like original Nier will tell you original Nier is kind of bullshit. 
Yeah. 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 Everyone, everyone I know who's played it is like, ugh, but. But, yeah. <laughs> it's great, but it's also not great. So, Dave, this is also your number one. Yeah. Okay. I mean, about the original Nier, it's one of those games where it's like, just find the strongest weapon you can and <laughs> power through it as best you're able. It's Get to the, the story. It's just yeah. the spear. Yeah. I mean, but, um, yeah. I mean, we talked about it. We did a pilot. Yes. Dave and Gross and I, we we literally, for me to remember what I said and didn't say, we literally taped a three hour show just talking about (laughs) near. So if you, yes, it was, I could do it all over again. I could do it all over again. Although one thing I said wrong. So if for people listening to this, if you listen to that whole near show, I did get one thing wrong. I said that in the, the, the Sartre robot, that uh, exists. I thought that I said that originally that Yokotaro was kind of, kind of mocking that idea that that kind of nihilism. Um, mm-hmm. And he's he's not mocking that at all. What he is, what it, it's a cautionary tale for holding these nihilistic. Uh, that character is supposed to be a, ni- a cautionary tale for holding these nihilistic views and not recognizing that the people around you are what makes life worth living and. Uh, you find meaning in those people. And it's it's pretty obvious when you're playing the game, like once you get to the end and everything, you recontextualize that side quest. But in that podcast, I said that, oh, he's, he's, he's kind of mocking this kind of nihilism, this kind of simplistic sort of nihilism. But he's he's not. It's it's part of the message of the game. The hopeful message in the game is in that side quest. And in that show, I got it wrong. So I just want to point that out, which I feel also sort of encapsulates part of why the game is so fucking brilliant and good. <laughs> yeah. It's because so. it has stuff like that in it. <laughs> Since you guys have had a uh, an existing love-in on Nier at yeah. this point. I haven't had a chance to love-in with these guys. Yeah, I was just so, to say, like, but, but my point I, I in saying all that, let me finish, hang on, let me finish. My point in saying all that was, we have not heard from Heidi, however. We yeah. three, oh, we have had so, our say, but Heidi. Though I did do, like, an hour and a half podcast with some other folks about all of Yoko Taro's stuff, but... Um, Nier Automata, I think, is, like, the perfect marriage of... Yoko Taro's signature just interesting ideas as conveyed through games in a way you can't do with any other medium combined for the very first time with mechanics that are actually tolerable. <laughs> right. Well, okay, maybe maybe that's a little harsh. I mean, Nier is the original is tolerable but man dragon guard three who yeah boy. i mean well dragon guard one yeah dragon guard one too but uh it's dragon guard three but the controller is broken in half and you have to like play with the pieces <laughs> <laughs> but uh so you've got a game that's that's playable though i understand a lot of the platinum games faithful are are like well, maybe not a lot, but at least a few of them were kind of disappointed that this is, it's not a Platinum game. It's like 20% a Platinum game and 80% a Yoko Taro game. So, no, don't go in and set on the hardest difficulty and expect to, quote unquote, get good because then you're going to get one of the uh, the many, many joke troll endings that are in the game, which is one of the game's brilliant points. It's uh, not afraid to troll you and piss you off for shits. Yeah. It's very good at... <laughs> and in fact, it's very good at doing that. It, it, the only complaint I really had about the game was that it 
like a lot of things, kind of drags on at the end. Uh, I was ready for those boss fights to be done. Like, I just wanted to get to the story at that point. Like, too many... I like those final boss fights, just the way things kept ramping up and up, and then how the end felt relatively quiet compared to kind of what it was like getting there. Hmm. Yeah, I just it felt like it was going on too long. That's all. <laughs> At that point, like I played through the part, same parts of the game a couple times, and it's like, okay, I want to see the end. I want to see the end. And maybe that was just my eagerness to see where it went, because I didn't spoil myself at all. Yeah, don't spoil yourself on this game. I on, when I when this game was announced, I'm like, okay, I'm cutting myself off from all media about it because. Part of what made the original Nier so good for me was that I went in not expecting anything and was just kind of surprised by what I got. And I'm like, no, I want to have the same feeling with this one. I'm not as excited as I am for this game. I'm not going to indulge myself with any media of it because I know it's going to be an experience that is best viewed fresh. And I think that really helped it a lot yeah yeah uh it is a it is a phenomenal thing and i'm so happy that it exists and it came out and people embraced it and i if if all it means is that they just give yoko taro gigantic budgets and lots and lots of time to make whatever he wants to make then we all win yes that man is is just so lovable (laughs) <laughs> but I, but I, but what I hope it means is something broader, and that's the lesson that they take away from this is let's let's give money and time to artists like artists like this that have yeah. a coherent and yeah. cohesive vision, like like what they're doing with Kojima. You know, like give these dudes the breath that they need to make what they want to make, and the public will likely embrace it because it's super fucking good and unique and not like anything you've seen. Uh, and hopefully, you know, these things being gigantic successes, man, I hope it means we get more stuff, more risky shit like it. Like, Indeed. cause it's a huge breath of fresh air. Huge. It felt revelatory. Like I'm glad a bunch of good movies came out. Otherwise it would be like, this is also probably the best movie I saw this year. Like, <laughs> You know. So what if I said I didn't like near that much? Well, I know you didn't, and it's not on your list yeah, and anything, no, so I don't no. see any reason to discuss it, really. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry you're not cool enough for the cool kids to love. <laughs> the table over there. Lame. <laughs> no, uh, sure, I'm interested in a dissenting voice. What, uh, <laughs> no, uh, what, do you, what, what, uh, what, what about it uh, rubbed you the wrong way? It is unfair of me to say I did not like Nier. I did not love Nier. Like, I really admire it for all of the things you guys are talking about here. Just like... Oh, it's your Mario Odyssey for me. It's the same thing. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, I, I had a very strong first impression and a very strong final impression of that game. Like, the opening, the opening of that game is just so weird, and there are so many weird things going on in that it it gave me a feeling a video game has not given me since the first time i played metal gear solid 2 mm. which it, that's a strong thing for me to say because i i feel very strongly about metal gear solid 2 um 
the issues I have with it is the degree to which it drags out in the middle. Like, I really like open world games generally, like just running around, doing side quests, all that kind of thing. I just felt like in near all that stuff was super dull and super trite all the way through. Um, <laughs> uh, but I also feel like that's not really the focus of me. That is true. Uh, it helps build the world a lot, but you still get so much out of it if you just do the main story paths. And honestly, <laughs> you don't really need to do that. It's not like... I didn't yeah. do hardly any of it. Well, that yeah. might be part of the problem then, too. Yeah, I didn't touch uh, it because I just wanted to see the main story. I just wanted to know what this thing is saying, what's it going to say. I was just driven by it. And the side stuff immediately seemed kind of like, oh, this is optional. So I'm just not. Mm-hmm. And it, it's optional thematically and every in, a, in, a, in all contexts, this is optional. Uh, and there are some good side quests, though. like the <laughs> You get the- to talk to one of those really big robots. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I did that like, one. Like, I, I did, I did do a little bit of reading to like, here's the good ones, uh, and I did do those, and they were pretty did interesting. You, did you see the play? Yes. Yes. The, the play, play is, is very good. Play. Yes, yeah. it's very good. Uh, and you know, like I said, I shouldn't say all of it is bad, but it is mostly skippable. Uh, and if you look up a thing like, here's the side quest you should do in near, if you don't want to hundred percent it, look that up. Play those. They're very good. Uh, did but, you eat the fish? Uh, maybe not. Everybody eats the fish. <laughs> Did I eat the well, fish? I, that's when I learned I should probably be saving this game. <laughs> yeah. Well, like 20 minutes of progress, but I couldn't hold it against it. I just love it so much. <laughs> the fish was very tasty. Yeah. You thought as it turned your insides into slurry or whatever it says, <laughs> thickened yeah. your what passes for robot blood. <laughs> um I mean, I've definitely said my piece on Nier, but I would sum it up that Nier's like two bees falling animation. Got this like beautiful, graceful, super hot anime girl doing like a starfish pose and just gliding towards the ground. And your heart is, is soaring as fast as she is plummeting. And then she hits the ground and it's like, pack! Like a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> and so it might as well be like a two bee shaped imprint. Uh, in the pavement, and that's what Nier does to your heart. <laughs> that's very good. Well done. That's very good. I love that falling animation. And that, like, they, because it does look so cool. And then she just hits the ground like a sack of bricks. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's hilarious. And, I think- like, really points to, like, how that, I mean, what I really like about people like Yoko Taro is, like, they're really renowned for being, like, serious and stuff. Uh, and weird to a certain extent, but like uh, I feel like the, the sort of weird humor doesn't get touted enough. And like people like Kojima are good at this stuff too, but like just sort of this like just completely asinine stuff, like eating the fish. <laughs> like it's just like so annoying and so bullshitty, uh, but like that you can't oh. help but laugh. Oh, the ending where uh, Tubi and uh, 9S decide, fuck it, let's go fishing. Yeah. Did you see that? Mm. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's like when you start the second route, like it's not particularly well flag posted. Yeah, I did that too. That like you walk right into an ending. Yeah. And then you have to play that like heart wrenching, but super long and unskippable, uh. like five minutes over again. Yeah. Because you walk <laughs> the wrong direction. And then like we're fired for dereliction of duty. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that was yeah. And then suddenly you're back to the like brother wake up and you're like, no, I don't yeah, want to do this again. again. My heart can't take it. over here. Yeah, totally. And then and, and you know, and then that scene is like that's a really good encapsulation of like I feel like if you just here here's near show them the very beginning of Route Two and that ending like that ending right there. <laughs> do yeah. show them just that because then it, it 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 pans out and then nine says something shitty about robots like that's not your brother <laughs> like you can't have feelings <laughs> and you're like what Stupid the fuck is robots. wrong with you nines and then like yeah it, god it's such a good nobody game nobody calls him nines <laughs> it, yeah, uh i call him nines so fuck that <laughs> you're his only friend <laughs> 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 a friend of ours made like a really good tweet is like the best part about near is like nine says his friends call him nine but or nines. rather why root b is so essential is because it shows you that nobody in nine s's life actually nines. calls him nine no like everything else he has no friends like everything else that's on purpose and it's fucking brilliant it's fucking brilliant yeah. the reason that he thinks everyone calls him nines that's fucking amazing it's so good. All right, let's not sit here and do. do it. <laughs> I already did three hours of that. Um, yeah. All right, Nira is extremely good, but people have other number ones aside from that. Uh, so, Dustin, what's your number one? The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. All right. Yeah. Yeah. What a good game. <laughs> Boy, howdy, is it? That feels like such an inadequate thing to say about zelda <laughs> like, oh yeah it's a good point, game though, wh- what can you say about nothing zelda? it's been talked to I death say you can't pet the dogs yeah you can't pet those dogs that's fucking bullshit you can run around them in circles do you know what and sucks you can't stable a bear and you can't stable a deer you know what sucks that one shrine that's on top of like a big white pillar that's on the le- the skull lake and you know like the monster shop guy is down there but that pill it's always raining on that pillar always yes and you just uh, you get fucking stuck there. Sucks those motion control dungeons. <laughs> Let's yeah, just I don't talk like about all the bad parts. Of <laughs> no, no, no. You just flip the board over, so you yeah. just yeah. Just ignore the it. The bottom of the maze. Well, yeah. If you're talking about the one I think you're talking about, if you flip it and then turn it towards so that the platform, like the exit platform, is facing you, the ball just lands right on the exit, so you can just yeah. tip it. Yeah. Um. That I find noticeably those motion controls are not that improved by the uh, pro controller. <laughs> like it's not it's not so good. Um, here's a it, maybe we can do this with Zelda. Uh, so I'm playing through it a second time right now because I want it. So I I bought it on the Wii U. We got the DLC. Jacob is Jacob finished the DLC on the Wii U. Like he already has a motorcycle and everything. He blew through that shit so fast. <laughs> Can't even, he he has put hundreds of hours into that game just on the Wii U. But I got it on the Switch, and now I'm playing through it again on the Switch because the game looks a lot better, uh, the controls a lot better, uh, the frame rate's a lot better, and it, uh, yeah, it's just kind of a better experience. So I'm playing through it again there, and then I want to get to the DLC to play through the DLC because I haven't played any of it yet. Not the first chapter, not the second, any of it. Um, I'm finding the second time through, I'm actually going to different shrines that I did the first time. Like, I'm doing the stuff I didn't do on my first playthrough. And it's it's like a totally not a totally different experience, but like I'm seeing new stuff the whole time, pretty much. And I'm playing through the entire game a second time. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I guess the the question is like, so 
did you have a unique experience in that game that you remember that really sort of encapsulated it for you? And, uh, Dustin, do you have one of those? Yes. I actually have a very specific one of those. Um, there's a quest you get like fairly early on if you're following the main plot. Uh, a side quest to climb up to a shrine in an icy location. And you don't get a lot of specifics about what that quest entails. You just just know you're going to this shrine in this icy part of the map. And you think, okay, like that's not such a big deal. I can just wander over there. I don't, I don't have the, um, the potions to you know, deal with the cold, but it'll just be a short walk. It'll be fine. So you go up there, and like I got there, and that was my first encounter with a Lionel. So I was running terrified <laughs> through the edges of the valley as I started approaching there. Like I just kind of edge my way up around that valley, and like I'm building fires along the way so I can keep warm just long enough to, you know, make it to the next spot. And I figure I got to be getting to this shrine close pretty soon. And then I discover that there's this giant mountain staircase leading all the way up this mountain. And that shrine is at the top of the mountain to get there. Right. So oh, I figure I have to build a torch and the torch will keep me warm enough to actually make it up there, do whatever I need to do for the quest real quick and get out real fast. So I'm going up there. It's just filled with monsters all the way up, all the way. <laughs> so keeping this torch lit it's the only torch i got like if it goes out i'm dead make it almost all the way to the top and then finally one of the monsters hits me torch goes out (laughs) then i think well i've got enough healing items i got enough healing items i can just barrel through this i've made it all the way up this mountain i've got to finish this now so then i get to the top of the mountain i get to that quest and there's a freaking dragon that you have to fight once you get to that shrine. So suddenly, I'm fighting this dragon, and this dragon is flying back down the mountainside, kicking up gusts of wind all over. So I'm paragliding down. I got, I'm pulling out my arrow, doing the slow motion shot in midair to like pull this dragon down, running real low on arrows by the end. And just like chugging potions, chugging all of the healing items I've gotten up to that point. And I fly down on top of that dragon, just about out of stamina, just about out of everything, with two arrows left. And that second arrow is what takes the dragon down. So then I'm teleported back up, all the way to the top to finish the quest. Then you've got to shear off one of the dragon's scales with an arrow. So with the one arrow I had left, finish that quest, and like that was it. And, like, that is just such a perfect confluence of, like, all the systems in that game working together to create something that doesn't just feel like a video game. It's just this absolutely organic thing that just came out of this incredible world that Zelda has put together. And, like, it's just, ah, like, that's an incredible thing for a video game to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good little sum up there. Uh, you know, th- and it's full of stuff like that. Like it's just endless 
I'm excited to get the motorcycle and see uh, <laughs> see see how it how it does. Um, you know, it's I don't know that 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 game. And I tell people that like that like it's my number two because Nier was such a special experience. But like it, part of the reason I can justify that is because Zelda feels like it is transcendent to the pack, to the point where it's like. This is clearly the best game in the series. It is a moment for video games. They figured something out about open world games that didn't seem like it had been figured out before. And people could be talking about this and considering it one of the best games ever made for decades and decades and decades. And like, rarely does a game just immediately strike you that way and then stay that way. Like, I still feel that way. It's the game's been out for, you know, seven or eight months. I still feel like it's this huge landmark, like, this is this is definitive. Something about this is definitive. Um, <clears throat> and the other the other incredibly special thing about that game is that, um, in as much as I want a Zelda game that really leans on the mid '80s fantasy style of the original, um, this game did absolutely everything it could to make you feel like you are inside the instruction pamphlet for the original Zelda. And that was super fucking awesome because that is the aesthetic that I want from Zelda is that 80s, like 1986 instruction manual and, uh, you know, the mossy door and the, you know, the, the rugged brick, uh, facade and the temple column and the, uh, you know, that, that stuff, uh, and specifically in that kind of ethereal mid eighties fantasy, Japanese fantasy kind of way, um, and Zelda and Breath of the Wild fucking nails it. It specifically, very specifically nails it with a very specific aesthetic that almost makes it look like a mirage. Like it's it's not it's it's like a memory. It's like you're playing through a nostalgic memory. It's very uh visceral uh and specific and uh, very hard to describe, I would say. Um but that game has something something going on with it that uh is extremely magic. <laughs> Um, okay. Did we have any other yeah, number? I, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just, I wanted to just add one thing that I haven't heard people really talk about a lot that I found kind of striking was that part of the reason why I felt like it was so endearing was because a lot of the NPCs are, are surprisingly kind of, um, uh, quirky and occasionally petty and kind of, but like in a cute way, not in like a super um, dark way. And at the same, but at the same time, like bad things have happened in this world. And like, there's like that little girl you run after who's like playing this game of, you know, and you chase her around the town or you play tag or hide and seek or whatever. And then you find out like her parents are dead and it's kind of sad. So, but like they have like these poignant moments that feel a little more, I mean, not like adult because it's clearly a children's game, but more, I don't know, complicated or layered or giving you a broader perspective than I feel like you usually get from Zelda NPCs. I don't know if anybody else sort of felt that way. Yeah, it's I like, you know, the, yeah, the chickens guys, like wife just left him. Like They really pack a lot of very careful characterization into very little limited yeah. dialogue. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And the game is chock a block with fun personality and none of it feels forced at all. It all feels totally organic. Uh the the translation is really good and fun. Uh yeah. or you know, you go to the horse guy and he's like, come back to me for all your horsey needs. 
And you're like, that's yeah. fucking delightful. I'm so happy yeah. right now that <laughs> yeah. you said horsey needs made my fucking day. <laughs> you know? you know? I want to make a very weird comparison for Zelda for one of the other mechanics that I really like. So the way you, the, the way people play uh, Skyrim is that you've got a quest marker and you want to get there and there's a mountain in your way. So you cheese your way up the mountain using every weird trick of like the game geometry to get up there. And Zelda somehow actually manages to make that exact process into a fun game mechanic with the climbing. Right. Which is just the most incredible thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's super good. Although the first thing like in this, in my second playthrough, I was just like, let me go get all this climbing gear and, uh, upgrade it as much as I can (laughs) so that I can just climb everything really fast. Cause that does get to a point where like, okay, (laughs) I got a lot of climbing to do here and I just, I just want it to be a little faster, you know? And that is one thing about Assassin's Creed actually, that I would compare it favorably to the movement. Um, Zelda is fun in its own way and Assassin's Creed actually gets it right in a different way. It's much speedier. Um, but it's just as, it feels almost as good. Like it's, yeah, it's good shit. Uh, but yeah, the, the climbing is, uh, a unique feature of Zelda. It it seems like, (laughs) um, okay. Uh, Graziella, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no. Yeah. I've just, it's a beautiful game and it's, I'm just astonished at how much I love it actually. Yeah. Okay, that is so. Three of us picked near, two of us picked Zelda. It's a little predictable. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You, you gotta, you gotta do it though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm glad someone brought up Battlegrounds. I need to put some more time into that game. I feel like I would get more into it if I just put more time into it. But like, I, I mean, only recently, like, I, I stopped playing Overwatch for like three months, and only recently went back to it for a little bit. I'm like, this is still fun. And now I probably won't go back to Battlegrounds. (laughs) Just all I have to be reminded of is that Overwatch exists. And it's like, oh, this is the multiplayer game I'm still playing every now and then. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, All right, man. So we should hurry up and get to these Twitter questions so that we can wrap this episode up. Because we're already at three hours. So let's... uh, (laughs) Oh, boy. Let's get to... let's Let's try and blow through these. All right. All right. Lightning round. Okay, a tasty sub asks, in case it doesn't come up in the top five, oh, this is a Yakuza question. Well, it definitely came up, so let's go to the second one. More serious question, best video game food of the year? Mm. Food, like a food item that you eat in a video game? Because, I mean, it's the fish, right? (laughs) Uh, Oh, probably. I was going to say, Battleship Brigade has a lot of strong contenders. I mean Zelda. Zelda. I mean the food. I it's. I assume it's yeah the food or food systems or. I didn't think I would like the cooking, what, but it's the good. food actually looks like. I, what? Wait, wait, wait. I didn't think I would like the Zelda cooking, but it's super good and fun. Yeah, Dark it's got Horse an Contender. Adorable little song. Dark Horse Contender, Big Bang Burger Challenge in Persona. <laughs> not, not as good as the Beast Bowl. <laughs> mm. Oh, that not. is true. I don't know the first. <laughs> There is no portal to the meat dimension opening. Exactly. I mean, look, it's funny. It's a really big burger. What is the... <laughs> but the stat rewards suck, and it's just not a beef bowl. No one's bringing up the Luncheon Kingdom. Uh, I... It's a whole kingdom of lunch, and you're not even bringing it up in a food question. Uh, I was kind of let down, frankly. Yeah, me too, because that, that level is yeah. super Spartan. 
<laughs> wanting to go to the cake dimension. The corn cones uh, are very good, though. Take me to the cake dimension. I mean, I've, I've got one. So in fire in the new Fire Emblem, characters can hold one item, board yes. or shield or whatever, be like a fish or a cookie. <laughs> uh, so you can like send people to battle with like a super good sword that gives them like 40% extra crit uh, or like a, a piece of bread that heals 10 HP. So like the audacity of that, <laughs> I feel like deserves something because it's just like, and they throw so much food at you in that game. Like that you're just like, why would I ever use this? It's tasty though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I'll take a cookie into battle. <laughs> okay. All right, Grant Satif wants to know, Nier seemed to really grip people in a profound way. Has that feeling remained, even with all the other titles that came out this year? I mean, I thought about it a long time, and yep. Yep. Yeah, I feel like that came across, Yeah, the I mean, answer to that question. I didn't even like Nier that much, and I, I still actually do think about it quite a lot. See? Why isn't it? It should be on your list. <laughs> I mean, it's like Ooh, respectable him. number 13-ish on my 13? list. 13? <laughs> ah. Oh. Man, what's even getting in there at number 10? Like, I noticed that, like, 2017 (laughs) has a lot of really good games, but not, like, 10 really great games. Like, I probably would have a little difficulty filling out a top 10, maybe. I I would not. You play a lot more games than I do, I think. Well, that's probably fair. That's probably true. All right, Gabo, a friend of the show, wants to know, best Persona 5 girl? Makoto. Makoto. Except. Right, if you're talking about who it's... Except. Dark Horse. Dark Horse candidate. She... Okay, first off, her personality doesn't match her aesthetic. No. Which kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, But that aesthetic is really good, though. She rides her motorcycle. Or rather, her persona is a motorcycle, and she rides it to summon it. But... When you upgrade the persona at the end of the game, she stops doing that. <laughs> and it turns into like a transformer. transformer. Yeah, but that sucks. <laughs> like, oh. she, she's like, the, I mean, not since the dog had a dog persona have we <laughs> seen such revolutions in the persona verse. And like, to just, I was so mad when like she stopped because she summons her like persona motorcycle and then like hits an enemy with it. Uh, we, played the game before it came out because I was reviewing it, so the Japanese language track was not available. Uh, and her voice actor, it's like the amount that. of times you hear her say, I'll use my persona. Like it's the As first, it's time, the first time it's occurred to her. To <laughs> I'll use my persona. <laughs> that just yeah. seems like a good idea. Yeah. God. I want to give a quick shout out to Dr. Takemi as a strong runner up in this category. She's pretty cool. I mean, she's yeah. great. The, I feel like the teacher is also pretty good. It's just, it's too weird. No, the teacher, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, the teacher is way weirder, though. Yeah, so weird. I, well, it could go either way, but yeah. Like, it's the, the weird in all like directions. It's weird and from every like, angle. She's an adult, but then you have power over her. Like, it's... It's oh. creepy. I, why did weird. they start doing that? <laughs> like that was the whole thing in three is that like you tried to date the teacher when you discovered it was her at the end of the social link. And she realized like, mm, nah, uh, you're a child. <laughs> and like <laughs> now all of a sudden they're like, wait, wait, Otaku played this game. 
Yeah. There's, there's your answer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's just like... Uh... I feel like this dovetails into our next question, <laughs> which is also from Gabo, who wants to know, what are the thirstiest gay moments of the year? The thirstiest. Mm. I mean, you can blow off to the skirt. I'm gonna throw out. the camera away when. I'm gonna throw out. Go, I'm gonna throw that out. Uh, Garu- doesn't make it not thirsty. I'm, I'm throwing out Gerudo Link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Everyone was pretty thirsty. Everyone in that game is thirsty for Link. By the way, they all want to fuck him. Yeah. I, I mean, there's this really cute thing in the like right at the beginning actually that I noticed where you go to. Um, the Impa's temple or whatever, and there's like this like notebook where the townspeople just sort of write their thoughts or complaints or just like a funny anecdote. And this one person is like, I am so hot for that new arrow guy. <laughs> Hope he brings those straight arrows over by me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like actually kind of crude, but like adorable. <laughs> yeah. There is something kind of weirdly innocent about the thirstiness in that game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like it, it, it never feels salacious. Really yeah. a lot of innocent thirstiness in Nintendo games this year. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. it doesn't that. get, I mean, I, I'm characters in arms. Yeah. I'm hoping that it doesn't get past that, but we'll see. <laughs> first area has like a costume oh, where you're geez. just borderline naked. Hey, where was that on your list for the entire game? Where was tales of Berseria, <laughs> Dave? Uh, I don't know. That was an, I mean, I, I have it written down as game for that have thoughts about. Yeah. But, but it's not on like yeah. a number. <laughs> Best list. of the year. Imagine someone having that on their game of the year. I mean, I'm not saying it's terrible. I'm just saying any MS Paint. I'm just saying in a year like this and that yeah. like Tales of Berseria is yeah. <laughs> game of the year. Look, I, we finished it, <laughs> which yeah. is more than it I didn't seem bad. It seems tales games between the, now and Vesperia. That seemed like a pretty good yeah, tales game. But... I'm just saying that yeah, even yeah, having played a bunch of it, yeah, it's a good tales like, game. I'm not ripping on it. I'm just saying, in a year like this, yeah. it would be like putting a Star yeah. Ocean game in your top ten. Even, <laughs> even in a really bad year, like tales games. Uh, <laughs> you're not really gonna it's it's like a hamburger you're not gonna put a hamburger exactly. you know yeah. and it's like, like it might be a good hamburger. yeah it might be a good burger but it's a burger yeah. and if that's like shake shack it's your shake shack did we play tales of vesperia the ps3 edition with the fan translation this year because that's my game of the year now. <laughs> <laughs> like they've got this little that gold day. pirate called named patty we have- she doesn't wear pants it's not actually as weird as all that sounds <laughs> It's actually heartwarming and very cute. I'll take your word for it. About worst game, is that we are we're we're getting there, but it's it's a question later. Uh, Squatchulus asks best dog. Best dog. Now Zelda dog that you can't pet. My instinct is to say the Zelda dog. No, that Mario dog is a hostage. Yeah, the Zelda. I want to. I haven't gotten it yet though, but it's my best dog in waiting. The Zelda dog. The Zel- no, sorry, the Zelda Wolf. Oh, okay, guess, yes. Yeah, so here's an interesting here's an interesting story about that. When you bought the game on the Wii U, because uh, I, I bought the Twilight Princess uh, HD remaster, which is actually a very good remaster, um, mm. and I, I got it on Black Friday for like fifteen bucks. It was great, and it came with the amiibo. And Jacob, who has played a lot of Twilight Princess, played a lot of Twilight Princess on the Wii U. When I first summoned the wolf in Breath of the Wild, he had like 20 hearts (laughs) (laughs) and fucked everything up. 
And it was amazing. And it's amazing, but then they fixed the glitch, so now he only has three hearts all the time. Oh. But those three, it's a good three. It's a good dog, though. That is a real good dog. Uh, well, I was going to say, the Mario dog, like, as I understand it, like, it's, see, it's wearing a hat all the time. Yeah. Not because it's terrified that Mario would possess it and like consume <laughs> its essential mortal soul in the box. Oh, you mean like, like Yoshi. That's an interesting theory. Yeah. The dog is like, yo, I heard a story about this dinosaur that this guy just uses like fucking cattle. So I'm putting this hat on. Because so who minute, knows? I feel like cattle gets a lot more respect than Yoshi <laughs> yeah. does. Is it worse that Yoshi gets ridden or that he gets possessed? So I didn't I'm get Yoshi yet in the game. Uh, I, I meant the game thing. It's yeah, it's a post game thing. Getting possessed is easily worse because he's letting Mario ride of his free will. I mean, he could kick Mario's ass off whenever he wants, but getting possessed, he doesn't have yeah, that. That's like a whole being John Malkovich thing. Hmm. Yoshi trapped in the prison of his own body. <laughs> uh, okay. We did. We decide on a best dog here. It's got to be the Zelda dog. Well, yeah, all the it's Zelda. So cute. It's really and cute. That's why it's going to win. But it. Scene with a dog in Yakuza Kiwami. I mean. Oh, that's true. There is a Shiba Inu puppy. And. Does <laughs> it look like, like a bear? <laughs> the, the, the hilarity of, like, Yakuza side quests is, like, first you have to get a food, then you have to get a water, then you bring it back, and the kid is like, well, did you bring a plate or a bowl or something? What are we going to put the water in? <laughs> oh, wait, so no, that, to go that's all the way uh, I would say that easily the best, like, animal sidekick is that fucking bird in Assassin's Creed. And there's a uh, there's an upgrade on the upgrade menu called Eagle Harass, where you <laughs> you get it. And I was like, why isn't this called Caw Caw Bitch? Because the, <laughs> the bird dive bombs the thing you're trying to kill and fucks it up. I was like, it should be called. Yeah, it's good. It's a good bird. Bring it back dead to rights over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Dead to rights. That's been best video game dog all years. Yeah. <laughs> best Dead to Rights 2, <laughs> even. Did that, dead to Rights 2 also had a dog, didn't it? Who would remember I that? I have no idea. Who would remember the details of Dead to Rights 2 at a time like this? I finished the first one. <laughs> The dog, like, disarms bombs at one point. Good dog. You have to, like, send it through air ducts. Yeah, I'm sure you do. They had to come up with any, yeah, any, any kind of gameplay uh, they can come up with. That's um, the first or first and only game I've ever returned to GameStop with the stated reason being, like, this still sucks, man. <laughs> like, that was back when they would let you do that. Yeah, I, I remember like, doing that. This game is just. I did that with uh, a bunch of ex- original Xbox games. Because yeah, they were, that was the era. Yeah, uh, I think the one I returned was Panzer Dragoon Orta because you can finish it in like an hour, and I was like, "You got to mm. be fucking kidding me! It's a sixty dollar game you can finish," and, and and I expected that, but not not quite. Like I thought, maybe three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, is that the line for you? I don't know. Also, I didn't like it very much. Like it had replay value. Yeah. I feel like there were a lot of unlockables. I remember playing it a lot. Let's not get it. Let's not get into a Panzer Dragoon Orta thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Trick the TM wants to know, we've had lots of new entries in old platformer franchises this year. Any of these franchises you want a revival of next year? So, platformer franchise you want another one of. Again, I would have said Banjo and, until Ukulele came out, so I don't even know anymore. If, if, they brought, if they said, like, look, we got 
people who know what they're doing and we promise it's going to be good. Would you be, would you then, would you be optimistic or interested in another banjo or did ukulele put you off so much that you're like, nah, I would be, I would still be interested in another banjo, especially if they did something different with it. All right. Well, like, nobody's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Anybody else? Franchise. Go ahead. Um, I can think of a lot of platform games I'd like to see remade, but a franchise, it's like, the one that immediately springs to mind is Rocket Knight, but they have tried that, and it turned out really bad. Plus, it's Konami, so they don't give a shit anymore. Mm-hmm. When are we getting that Bubsy revival? Oh, wait. We did. Yeah, we did. I reviewed yeah. that. Oh, no. Hmm. Yep. Congratulations. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Wait, that's, is that what they say? That's not what he says. It's what could possibly go wrong. Well, that just seems like a missed opportunity. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I can, I can bring it up here really fast. Uh, there's a, yeah, this will only take a minute, I promise. Hang on. We can figure why this out. Why don't they make good Castlevanians anymore? I know I don't, why, but it's Konami, sad. Yeah, that's very sad, but I, I've... Uh, I've I've kind of just given up <laughs> waiting. Where's that? Where's my Egovania? Eh? Yeah. Well, even came good. out with a new name and everything for it. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> just give it a sec. He'll get to it. He's saying possibly. Ugh. Yeah. Well, that's a huge disappointment. I Zach, totally I can't believe you locked dog. us up here for three hours to show us your Bubsy soundboard. <laughs> Worst shaggy dog story of all time. <laughs> okay. But now that we've settled that. <clears throat> uh, in a year full of great AAA and indie games, are there still uh, games you really still want to... Oh, this is a little confusingly worded are there any games this year that you still really want to get to do you think yeah a lot you think that it makes it harder to take your time with very long games yes it does i think i feel rushed Mm -hmm. sometimes i feel like i'd rather i'd rather play a short game that doesn't have any stupid filler and is over in like five or six hours than a 40 hour game where like 15 of those hours are whatever yeah yeah, I'm staring at a Steam list here with a bunch of games I plan to play in the next couple of weeks, including Night in the Woods and Hollow Knight and Pyre. Oh yeah, Hollow Knight. I bought that too. I gotta play that. Yeah, uh, and it's like, despite that, I kind of still feel like I'm trying to make an effort these days to play more of fewer games because I feel like I get a lot more out of them that way. Mm. Like this year in particular, which you know, had Zelda and Mario and Yakuza, which are all very long games. And I I did really enjoy Persona 5, even if it didn't make my top five. And part of why I enjoyed that is because it kind of felt nice to indulge in a hundred hour game. As weird as that feels to sound, Mm. feels to say, I should say. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, you write about games, so you have to play a lot of them. And just having the luxury of being able to do that is... It's, you know, that's, that's different for you. Um, 
Yeah, I, I'm like literally sitting on my shelf is an unopened copy of Wolfenstein 2. I really want to play through that. I really want to play through Horizon. I need to finish a bunch of shit like Yakuza I need to play. Uh, I guess I'm going to get this Metroid game now. Like, man, fuck. It's too much. Uh, <laughs> Grass, Dave, any, any? Well, I definitely have a list of like 12 plus games I've <laughs> still like to play from this year yeah um i'm fortunate that like i'm pretty easily distractible (laughs) so if i'm like not feeling binging on something i'll just walk away from it yeah uh but i have sort of learned the opposite lesson uh in that like we play like an hour and a half of yakuza a week for the videos we record and i like start looking forward to that yakuza day yeah like as the week goes on and like it, it becomes like a much pure like really focused experience where like i you know i can just like tell that i'm enjoying this game much more than i would even yakuza zero because i'm not sitting there for like six hours like walking down every street between every plot event to make sure that i didn't miss anything Mm. yeah Uh, so like yeah i mean there's definitely something to be said for just like as as dustin said just like playing fewer games more yeah Picking, picking and giving your yourself time to breathe on them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Heidi, do you have anything you're like, I didn't get to this and I really want to? Um, I still need to wrap up uh, Persona 5. That's kind of mm. a big one, in my opinion. Um, a lot of small, weird, little uh, Japanese doujin games that popped up on Steam I want to get to. A bunch of stuff on the uh, Nintendo Switch. There are a lot of interesting Japanese indie games on the Nintendo Switch. Like, I just picked up uh, the Mighty Gun... Not the Mighty Gunvolt, but the Azure Striker Gunvolt collection on there, which I want to go ahead and play through. And there's some... uh, uh, There's some interesting stuff on on mobile I want to check out as well, but wading through mobile is incredibly, incredibly tough. Like... Uh, I don't know. It it always feels like, you know, if people stopped making new video games tomorrow, I would still have enough to play for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. I'm fine with that. That's true. Um, let's see here. Uh, Hannah asks, would love to all hear, hear y'all chime in on Nintendo's mobile games. Did anyone play uh, Animal Crossing or Fire Emblem? Me. Yes. Anything to say about them? <laughs> uh, Band gotcha games. <laughs> gotcha my games. Ex- my experience. Did you pull your waifu? Uh, I have not gotten so lay. Uh, I spent like 120 orbs on her. Uh, I got all my waifus. I'm good. There's always going to be more waifus. Is the problem? That's how, that's how they get you. That's literally the, the plan. Fire Emblem waifu is Titania. That's all there is. Like yeah, if you walk into these companies, star. you can get her any to, any old time. If you walk into these companies and just I'm talking about and, five stars. If you walk into if you walk into these companies and ask them for their business plan, it just says more waifus. That's yeah. That's it. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's so gross. It's the grossest video game practice. Um, and the games are not good. Like. Fire Emblem is like a game for stupid babies. Like, <laughs> like, it's, 
it's four on four battles on like a six by eight map. Like, uh, it's like those dumbest tactical game ever, and you're literally only doing it because the sprites are cute. And I do it like but almost you get the every waifus day. you want, maybe. Or if not, you spend more money and then you get the waifus you want. Uh, I mean, that's the only saving grace is that, like, you spend money to get a chance at maybe getting the waifu you want. And that's, like, so patently absurd to me that it's inoculated (laughs) me against the idea of ever doing it. Like, like, are you serious? Like, I have to spend $20 to get, like, a 5% chance yeah, dude, it's a it's a slot machine. Yeah, I mean, it's just so it's so gross. Like it makes I don't know. Well, there's uh, regulations are coming. <clears throat> I you know might not be the worst thing. No, I like, I look I agree with the side of this discourse that states that this is clearly usury and it's obviously taking advantage yeah. of people who uh, have addictive personalities, which is absolutely a thing. Uh, the idea that like everyone can just control that all the time is fucking bullshit bootstraps nonsense that doesn't apply to real people. So like you can absolutely take advantage of people and that's what these things do. That's what get, that's why gambling is regulated. That's why it's regulated. The fact that it's like really cute though. Yeah, but it's just gambling and like it should be, it should be treated as gambling, gambling, but it's even it's gambling without the, even the prospect. You don't even have a chance to get money. That's so fucking sad. Well, like, so there was, like, a big Reddit post going around today about a guy who blew, like, $17,000 oh, on the Final Fantasy mobile game. They should just was, cap like, how much I was hiding it from spend. my wife. Like, I think she's going to leave me now because I've racked up all this credit card debt. And, like, yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you, Zach. Like, it's, this is not, like, a personal control problem necessarily. Like, it's just, like, these disgusting like predatory business practices that people are like, Oh, you know, it's fun to put a dollar into overwatch every once in a while. It's like, I mean, this hits me especially hard because like, even I mean, like the immediate thing that they go to with this stuff, is like costumes and those used to just be in the game. Mm. You just unlock those for doing weird stuff in tales of Vesperia. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, game Ream asks what game had the best characters? Anybody want to throw one out? Night in the Woods. Night in the Woods. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. That is pretty good. She sucks so much, just like me. (laughs) Yeah, she sucks in almost the exact same way that I do. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I just love characters who suck in that exact way. Yeah. Yeah, she's extremely relatable. She makes all these dumb, like, mistakes, and you're like, I would do that. (laughs) Yeah. I am also kind of an asshole without really you know, meaning to be. I'm also flip and smug about stuff that I shouldn't be. And it hurts people. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sure does sometimes. Uh, and I love B. That's like, she's the best character. Yeah. B is so good. The best. All right. <clears throat> Where's the merchandise for that game? I want little yeah. figures coming soon to fan gamer. Wasn't it? he having a lot of trouble because of how much bootleg merchandise there is? Yes. Probably. He was actually on an episode of, I think it was the Beast Cast recently, where he talked oh, very specifically that. about that. Was he? Yeah. Just a week or two ago, I think. Did I miss last week's or something? I, I listen to that show every week. I, I listen to that show when I'm at the gym. Uh, I must have missed that one. How weird. Um, I'm going to have to go back and look for that. Okay. 
Anybody else have dissenting on best characters? Zelda Majibus had really good. What's that? Majima is the best. Right. And we got both iterations of Majima this year. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. No comedy. Sorry, go ahead. Blob Fujoshi bait and like crazy Fujoshi bait. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They're both really good. No comedy asks. And the relationship between you so pure. I'm sorry. I'm not meaning to try to interrupt you, but you, you're cutting out. So I can't. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's totally fine. Uh, I just wanted you to know I was not trying to interrupt you there. Um, <clears throat> let's move on. Noel Comedy wants to know what game truly surprised you this year. As in, what did you go into with low expectations only to be blown away? Well, fucking Assassin's Creed, for starters. Yeah. I didn't eat, I rented it from a red box. I was like, eh, eh. And then I was like, oh. Just like that. <laughs> I made that exact noise. Anybody else? <laughs> unknowns Battlegrounds. Yeah, sure. <laughs> did you have low experience. expectations? My first experience with that thing was before it even came out in early access. I was writing a, a promotional article for a wiki about that game. And when I got assigned that thing, I was like, what the fuck is this early <laughs> access shit shooter that I will never hear about or think of ever again? And now it's the most popular game in the world. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Man, we got a lot of food of the year questions. Really, <laughs> people want us to talk about video game food. It's not, Final Fantasy Fifteen came out in 2016, guys. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. like, last year was the year of video game food. Yeah. Get with the times, people. Those fucking onigiri in Final Fantasy Fifteen. I mean, the, the way Yakuza presents alcohol is very similar to the way Final Fantasy Fifteen presents Oh, uh, that is true. Hmm. All right. I'm not it was very good booze so. in Yakuza. This is, this is uh, Nefarious Walrus asks, do you think it was wise for Nintendo to drop both Odyssey and Zelda, not to mention Mario Kart 8 and Splatoon 2, all in the same year? Of course, I loved this, but I can't help but wonder if there's enough left to sustain this momentum in 2018. Well, if, look, you're not going to get another Zelda and another Mario next. I mean, there might be a Metroid. Well, yeah, well, okay, you'll get, yeah, you might get Metroid Prime. Absolutely had to drop as much as possible to show that yeah. you know this. We are supporting this thing. This isn't going to be another Wii U like uh, yeah. half step. This is yeah. This is our next platform. We are totally fucking serious about this. Also, I mean, Zelda is a Wii U game. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you look at the Wii U and the 3DS. Both, neither of those had a like one of the big tentpole Nintendo games like at launch and neither I mean the 3DS came out of the opening slump but it did not start out great and obviously the Wii U was the Wii U so What do you mean Nintendo Land Mass Effect 3 uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ninja Christ, Ninja, Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden I think right <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. I mean, at this point, the Switch is, I think I saw the numbers today, it is on track to sell as well as the PS4 did in its first year, and I think it wow. is supposed to have outsold the Wii U by 
March of next year. Not surprising. Yeah. 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 Like, I sold the Wii U's lifetime sales by March of next year. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that is mostly like, holy shit, no one bought the Wii U. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Except for this sucker right here. I'm sure everyone here That's has it. one. Yeah. And I have a oh, lot of fucking software on it. Three Luigi's Mansion levels <laughs> over and over again by myself. I, 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 go ahead. Like, the Wii U is a terrible console with a bunch of great games. Yeah, I need them all. I need them all to go to the Switch right now so I can just get rid of it. I mean, we're halfway there. Well, where's Mario Maker? I need Mario 3D Land, because I loved that game. uh, E3 next year. And, uh, yeah, well, I I really need them to port Mario 3D World, because I like that game a lot. More than most, I feel. I feel like in hindsight, people have kind of like come down on that game, but I think it's really good. That's I still really I like it. Yeah, it's really fucking good. Oh, I feel like it's underrated. Let's agree on Mario here, Zach. 3D World is very good. All right, you and I can high five on that one. <laughs> All right. EO Nev asks Anyone tempted to upgrade the consoles to the PS4 Pro or Xbox One X? Anyone doing that? Nope. No, I've been tempted on the. I bought a 4K TV for like nothing, and so now I'm tempted to get a PS4 Pro just because it does 4K, and you kind of once you have the resolution, like you want to be able to use it. Uh, but right. I'm probably going to wait for the next iteration because they will probably put another PlayStation out next year. So yeah, I got a Pro. Yeah, it's okay. Is it worth it? Uh, no. <laughs> It looks nice <laughs> on a 4K screen. It, okay. it really does. That's all nice. I want it. That's all I want it for is just because it looks nice. I think the thing that looks nicest is HDR, and you get that on a base PS4, so... Eh. Eh. I don't know. <laughs> I just can't tell with any of that stuff. Like, unless it's literally side-by-side... It's all the same to me. The so, the 4K but, jump is not nearly as big as the HD jump was. It looks nice. It looks sharp, but it it's not huge in the same way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, actually, that one's a little complicated. Uh, Gerald asks a troll question: Why is Horizon Zero Dawn so vastly superior to the boring Breath of the Wild? Look. Horizon is good. Zelda, Zelda is fucking transcendent. I think Gerald's yeah. taste in stuff belongs in like a research facility. <laughs> we need a team of scientists figuring Gerald out. We have to know why. What's that, Heidi? He's definitely not just doing it to be provocative. No, I know he's not. I'm just, that's why I think he needs to be yeah, studied. No, I, yeah, that's. Look, I love Gerald. He's great, and his opinions are just a delight to hear, but I don't know how he arrives at them. I don't have any understanding how his brain arrives at these opinions, (laughs) and so I feel as though uh, he needs to be studied. Everyone (laughs) loves you, Gerald. Um, But you're wrong about this. (laughs) Zelda is not extremely boring. Horizon, I'm sure, is a great game. They can both be good. Take it from someone who really likes Horizon. Zelda's a lot better. Oh, jeez. Now you're just starting fights. All right. <clears throat> Rogue of Space wants to know, is Nier's gameplay good enough to stand on its own merits, even without the... No. <laughs> uh, I mean, it looks... No, but that's like saying, like, if you turn the sound off on Schindler's List, is it still good? Yeah, yes. <laughs> but no, why would you do that? Well, I mean, to what Heidi was saying earlier, like, 
people were expecting a platinum game out of it. And I do feel like, aside from the combat being like kind of boring, um, it doesn't really lend itself to like harder difficulties because there are some like kind of glaring oversights and like sound design and how enemies can hit you off screen and stuff. That means like it's it's just not calibrated for more challenge. So it it's does. like totally fine that you can just spam buttons and get through it. Like I was completely content with that, but does it? I was it hoping for a little more. Very tight and controls very nicely. Just in like the basics of what you're doing, it's just that there doesn't end up being a lot more depth once you get once you come to terms with that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Okay. Here's the question. Carlos wants to know what was the worst game you played this year. All right, Zach, I got a bone to pick with you here. You got a bone to pick with me? Okay. Assigning that fucking Valkyria Revolution. (laughs) Oh, jeez. I wouldn't say that was the worst, but that was the most disappointing. How can you be disappointed when they've hurt us so much already? (laughs) To to say disappointed means you had expectations. First of all, first of all. That's exactly the thing, though. Like, there are, like, three things in that game where you're like, Oh, they had an idea an idea here. Like something about the way they told this story could have worked. Something about the structure of like how this how these battles play out could have worked, but they just completely squander every single ounce of it and it's just in You know what I love? I love hearing people talk about politics, but just standing there not <sighs> doing anything with camera angles that are awful. For like five minutes at a time. It's my favorite. Oh, God. The cast is so bloated. There are so many characters that don't need to exist. Yep. The main, the, the, the villain lady has no defining character trait other than boobs. Mm, so it's a Valkyria Chronicles game. So, and let's not forget combat, which is basically scare everybody and then mop them up. And fun, occasionally there's a boss fight that you just kind of, you know cheese out so it's like Hmm. it's it's like worse musou combat like infinitely worse musou combats shoehorned into an rpg it's just ah heidi what's the worst game you played this year oh man i mean i play a lot of terrible games but most of them weren't made this year but uh in terms of just sheer i mean you and me both. You can have old, you can have bad old game that you played this year. Because I play a lot of old games, uh, and like most of my answers for this would be like released for the PlayStation in 1997. Like that's <laughs> well, I did play uh, Last Rebellion for my annual Kusoge cast, which is a 2010 RPG published by NIS that is broken and terrible in myriad ways that uh oh god just a thing i've got the archives up on youtube and maybe we can link them but uh as far as the worst game i played this year uh maybe that new that new bubsy isn't atrocious but it's just so fucking boring and forgettable that i can honest to god say i would rather play the original bubsy than that because for all the shit that game does wrong it is at least trying something. It's trying to bring like a Looney Tunes style wacky animation thing to a platformer 
and while it doesn't really succeed, at least it's doing something, which the new Bubsy is not. It is just the most generic platformer. So generic, in fact, it is literally a reskin of the great Gianna sisters that released, I think, like, last year. Not, a t- not like, an exact reskin, but it's got the same engine, all the same shit, they just redrew some stuff. It's really just so lacking in anything. Um, this is not the worst game I played, but the game that uh, made me recoil the most was Senron Kagura Peach Beach Splash. <laughs> oh my god, those games. And not just, and I'm not saying that just because it's a fan service game. I don't have any problem with fan service games. They exist, people buy them, whatever. Uh, the thing that got me about this one was just, I've never seen one of these before, uh, where it just has a grope mode where there's, you can pick your, you can pick a character. They stand there. They look like they don't enjoy this at all. You click Mm -hmm. the sticks in and two groping hands appear and then you just start smacking their titties around and it's fucking gross and horrible, deeply upsetting. And they're like, yeah, and while you're smacking their ass and stuff, it's nasty well now i feel like we got off easy playing yeah. just playing the cooking game <laughs> yeah if you did anything other than grope mode in center on kagura peach beach splash you did not uh, you did not witness it at its full power uh i mean there's some stuff in the actual game also. I- i'm sure but this is a game where like you put you pick a bikini you pick your crazy giant boobs anime girl and then when you tell her to reload her gun she drops into a crouching position and holds a super soaker way out to her left side so you can see her boobs while she is furiously jacking off the gun to reload it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just... And you have it to makes, admire their dedication to, it like... It makes Dead or Alive Extreme seem restrained. Yeah, yeah, totally. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, that game. That's fucking wild. Anyway, um... Okay. Uh, we're just about to wrap up here. Um, does anyone have a smaller indie games that we didn't already talk about? Uh, the, the indie games that are coming in my, my brain is toast, but the thing, it, when you say indie game, I'm just like, oh, Night in the Woods. So that's all I can think of. Uh, one I'd like to talk a bit more about and that I actually discussed in my last column is a game called Akato Blue for, uh, Android and iOS. That is a really, really friggin' good, uh, arcade style shooting game. And it's it's all touch controls, but it works really well. Like, the game is genuinely challenging. It has a cool scoring system. The visuals are nice. It's got a great soundtrack. It's, it's really, really good. And don't let it being on mobile scare you off. It's fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Cool. Anybody else? Uh, I mean, these aren't quite indie games, but... They put out for 3DS a River City Ransom fantasy RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, like, yeah. Certainly... I, I played that a bit. I did not like it as much as uh, the it's more It's pretty recent... clunky. Yeah. Uh, but it's got a cute concept that it's like River City Ransom gameplay, but you're like going on quests and picking up swords and magic books and stuff. There's like a Chinese horror game we played. It's kind of like a side-scroller. It's set in... Uh, post-revolution Taiwan called Detention. It's only, like, only a couple hours long. Yeah, that was really uh, good. And it's really yeah, I've, I've heard that's good. I mean to pick it's that really up. really good. Um, 
And then the game we just played, what the hell was it called? What game? The horror one. Oh, Tokyo Dark? Yeah. That was okay, yeah. I liked it. It was kind of a visual novel, kind of an adventure game. Uh, Cine Mora, which is like an old side-scrolling shooter, got like a big upgrade. <laughs> uh, this is kind of weird to call out as an indie game because it definitely has a budget, but like uh, Hellblade is really oh, cool yeah. and technically indie. That's on my list for stuff to play. Yeah, I, it's not a great game, but it's, it's a really interesting one, I think. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, I think that about, well, we got one, we got to take one last question here. Um, we're going to wrap up with this one. What do you think adapts better to a movie at this point, games or anime? So like, you know, what do you think would make a better film? Would you have more hope for a live action adaptation of an anime or of a video game? Uh, depends, but I'd say anime just because games are so dependent. Well, most of them are so dependent on the player input that it's hard to translate that. Whereas anime is already yeah. a mere passive form of entertainment. So it's automatically one step above video games in that regards as far as translating to of linear passive entertainment. Yeah, and I think also like so many of the video games that matter are aesthetically just weird like pastiches of movie tropes that like the first yeah. wave of video game movies like like Tomb Raider and Resident Evil and whatever it's just like well we're bringing all these movie tropes back into movies and it doesn't actually get at like why the video games were interesting at all. Right. Yeah, that's what I I would really I'd be interested to finally see um that influence go back into movies in a, in a way that's that is interesting. I feel like we're still waiting for that. Mm. Um that I mean, I guess in some ways video games have been influencing maybe the big blockbuster films for a while, but I feel like yeah, that connection what's essential about video games does feel like it gets a little, you know, it would get lost. Yeah. I feel like, uh, it'll happen eventually. They will figure out how to make good, like they figured out how to make good comic book movies. So they'll figure out how to make good video yeah. game movies. It just hasn't really happened yet, but yeah, it'll, it'll happen. Castlevania at some point. series was a blueprint. Yeah. That Castlevania series was great. And I really would like to see more of that. Like where they, they really, like you may not think it was actually great or what I did. I thought it was, pretty much everything I could want out of a Castlevania show, you know, in terms of keeping my expectations realistic, that was about what I thought, uh, you, you know, as good as you could hope. Um, and I certainly hadn't seen a video game adaptation that worked that well before that. Um, so hopefully that means the right, and it's, it's all in the writing. It's all in the script. So yeah. like, you know, eventually they will make a Zelda movie. Will it be good? Only time will tell. <laughs> um, all right, let's wrap up. 
I'm very tired. We've been doing this for three and a half hours. <laughs> we got a dog to walk. Oh, we got to walk the pants. Okay, guys, listen, I cannot thank you enough. I love all of you guys. I'm uh, like, <laughs> Dust, I just want to say, Dustin, you did an amazing job on this weekend games, and oh, uh, it was really hard to see you go. Uh, and you're always welcome back here anytime. We loved having you here. Heidi, I'm incredibly thankful that you came in to take over this weekend games, and you've been a delightful presence. Really happy to work with you. And Dave and Grass, you know, I love you both from the bottom of my heart. So thank you guys so much for coming on. to come on and get to talk to you. Well, thank thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, that does it for us. Okay, that's our show. Huge thanks to Dustin, Heidi, Dave, Graziella for stopping by. The theme song is Bucharest. It's by the band The New Division. You can check them out at newdivisionmusic.com. Don't forget, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Music, Stitcher, Radio, all that stuff. Leave us likes and comments and subscribes and things. Yeah, you know what's up. Anyway, see you all next week. Bye.